Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle... Wait a minute. This actually is not Uncle Dad. This is Uncle Dad Presents The Game Papas. So, before I introduce my permanent co-host for this show, let me explain as to what we're doing here. So you're here on Patreon. You know that Patreon, we're going to give you exclusive uh, content that you're not going to get anywhere else. And the best part is... It's all for a great affordable price and it helps us create more. Now, one of the things that I've always heard is that people really enjoyed when Retro Gaming Nomad was on the show. Obviously, that's who I'm talking about, who the co-host is. So, me and him go way back. Uh, we've known each other for a very long time since I was a little little papa. And now I'm a big papa and we're big papas together. So together, we are the Game Papas. So, without further ado, I'll explain some more in a second, but let's give a huge round of applause for his for the co-host of the game papas the retro gaming nomad uh thank you thank you thank you thanks for having me over there yes we go way back even before your uncle you were like a nephew dad <laughs> a nephew. So, i was a nephew son your nephew son yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah we go we go way back now um to kind of really tie that in real quick you and i used to work at a shop together that sold video games and you know I think one of the reasons why we got along always so well is that we always had very similar tastes in games. I was always interested in the games that you liked growing up. And, you know, we, we there is an age difference. You're about the same age as Mike. Uh, and uh, it's just funny to me that two of the most impactful people in my life are about the same age. And I'm like, you know, so much years younger than you guys. But I enjoy talking to you all the time. And I'm really glad that we could do this because I don't live in the area or Mr. No Man lives anymore, so we don't really get to see each other so often. So it's nice that we have this, because now it's a way for us to stay connected and also share a love of games. Uh, specifically, though, you are, I would kind of say, an unofficial, an unofficial game historian. Uh, definitely unofficial, because uh, <laughs> we were talking about doing this podcast, and there was some stuff that you brought up, and I was like, uh, embarrassed, embarrassed to say, I, I, I had no idea. But that's one thing that I like, is um, I, I'm always willing to learn i'm not one of those people that are like oh yeah i know about that and then i google it or something like that like no get, get, let me know about something I, i'm i'm always searching for for more info knowledge and you know knowledge is key in anything in life so i'm, I'm definitely definitely excited to be on the show yeah it's gonna be nice because um you know um we won't we won't show pictures yet but we are in the the man cave how would you call this uh i would i would call it I don't know. I'd, I'd call it a an arcade, more like, because you know the arcade games, of course, surrounded by console games as well. It's just I don't know, Game Cave, Game, ca Game Cave, Game Cave. I like it. Twenty twenty two, right? Game Cave, right? <laughs> Can't say Man Cave anymore. Can't say Man Cave. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've always wanted to do a show with with uh, Mister Nomad here, so we can talk about you know the history of games. And with this show, the idea is that each month there'll be one episode a month. Maybe every now and then, if we have time, we can do two episodes a month, but. Excuse me. The idea is that we will chat about a specific theme and kind of explore my memories, his memories, and whatever history he can provide. And every now and then we might include pictures, videos, and all that stuff is available on any tier of the Patreon. So if you sign up for the $10 tier and up, you will get all the access to this content included. Um, one of my dreams and goals is to eventually, maybe this year we can do it, uh, Mr. Nomad, is travel to the uh, isn't there a retro game expo in las vegas yes there is i used to go to that um years and years and years ago when i had a lot more free time and they did it uh biannually so every other year they would have it gotcha auction off um games i mean the last one i went to they were auctioning off brand new atari 2600 games one of them being combat 2 oh wow still in shrink wrap and all that stuff and it's it's a blast to go to and you definitely see some uh some cats out there that are that are kind of out there man but um 
I, I am always wanting, always wanted to go back. I haven't been there in over 10 years now. Gotcha. So. And we could probably go as press now, you know, so that'd be fun to go as press and talk yeah. about the, Yeah, VIP, right. Uh, very important press, yes. Um, and so that's kind of one of the ideas I have with this show is to kind of make it more of an experience about, you know, not just what our memories are, but also get other people involved. And uh, something I haven't told you yet. Now, a trademark of the Uncle Dad is that I spring shit on Mike all the time. <laughs> it okay. always happens. So I'm springing this on you right now. All right. Is that we have had the Atari CEO on board to do an episode for a long time. Mm -hmm. We've kind of been trying to figure out where to put him at. I think we're going to have him on this show. How do oh, you feel awesome. about that? That's incredible. So uh, I, I, we're still talking to him, but we're going to have him eventually. And the best part is the only way to hear that interview is exclusively on this Patreon. So that's kind of the plan I have for that. And then on top of some other good things we have, and I actually thought, because they're sending us the, uh, the Atari VCS. Yes. So once I get the Atari VCS, we'll set it up in here and we'll do a whole episode on it. Fantastic. Because, you know, Mike, Mike is great with all that stuff. And I love Mike, obviously, to, to the end. But, you know, Mike isn't a true gamer, as you know. Um, now, if you want to talk about Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, don't even give me on that one. But I do want Mike to guest – Mike has to guest appearance on this oh, show. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted him to come on when we do movie games. And, of course, we got to do Apocalypse mm -hmm. with Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> well, as long as you do Die Art Trilogy. <laughs> yeah, that too. That's it. I don't, he's never played that before. Wow. Oh, I know a place – here in town, that has it, and he can come and play. Yeah, there we go. Or play the Saturn version. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever's easier. COVID, COVID permitting, of course. Um, so, without further ado, please enjoy this show. Um, if, and there's also, I'm, we're open to suggestions. So, if you have a theme you want to hear, please drop it in the Patreon comics down below so that we can kind of get an idea. If you want us to hear talk about only fighting games, maybe, maybe more obscure stuff. So, one of the things that's very near and dear to my heart is full motion video games. And we're definitely doing an episode on that yeah. uh, because I love full motion video. Yeah, we wanted to do one before, and then my 3DO died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Game. And to be honest, dude, they're all there. A lot of them are on the Switch now. I don't know if you know yeah, that or not. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah, all the ones I like, at least. So yeah, we're gonna dive into that. But today's episode, you can't talk about video games unless you start at the very beginning. Now we're not talking, you know, the Odyssey or anything like that. We're talking the where it all begins, and that is not even pinball. We're talking. Arcade machine. Now, I do want to dive in pinball a little bit. I do think we should do a pinball episode. Yeah, pinball is special enough to have it completely its own episode, especially with the different variants of how it started. And uh, when we do do that, I would like to uh, bring in a pinball machine that was made in the uh, early 50s. Well, I got something better for you because we're also connected to Stern Pinball. Oh, okay. So we we're thinking about having them on and we'll talk to them as well. Fantastic. I'm telling you, Mr. Dumbad, you don't understand. We've had a lot of things lined up that never really happened for Uncle Dad Talks. Okay. And it's going to hit here because I think, truthfully, it makes more sense to have them on board to talk to, with you and me rather than Mike when Mike doesn't really know a whole lot about that world, right? Yeah. So, Mike, I know you're hearing this. You're like, motherfucker. I yeah, you throw him on the bus right now. <laughs> you're throwing him on the digital bus. <laughs> hey, Mike knows. Mike. We love you, Mike. <laughs> but uh, before we get into that, we're not only going to talk about video games and a theme was specific. We're also going to do beer talk Ooh. in between each kind of topic. So we're going to start it off with – now, are we drinking the same thing? We are. Okay. So we are drinking – actually, I'll let you talk about that. Yeah. So this is uh, made by Lagunitas. This is called Contents Under Fresher. It's a fresh hop IPA made with Mosaic, Citra, uh, Simcoe, and Sabro hops. So, yeah. Do you know what that is? I have no idea. Uh, I do know somebody who is an expert that can explain this to me, which is my girlfriend. But um, no, right now, I'm, I just drink them. So we have Sabro, like the pizza? 
Sabraros. Oh, sorry. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) You know, I got to be honest. I like it, but I have to say something really fast to tie it back to Mike. I don't know if you know this or not, but our beloved Mike has a partnership with Lagunitas. Oh, nice. So he just made some dope hats at BartBridgeClothing.com that you can go get those at with the Lagunitas. They're really cool, man. So support our partner, Mike, as always. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that because I don't know if you knew that. He has really dope hats at Lagunitas. I'll get you one. Thank you. Yeah, this is a 2021 uh, release. And it's a one-hitter release. So it's like a one-hitter quitter. You drink it, you're done with it, and you ain't coming back. So yeah. um, Lagunitas, shout out to you guys. Uh, Petaluma, California, and Chicago, Illinois. A little... Why don't you, uh, you know, we can use a sponsor on this show because I don't have one for this one. <laughs> so maybe. So uh, going to what we did before with the uh, review of the beers, what do you think? You know, I like it, uh, but it's just, it, to me, it tastes like a, I, I, I don't mean this offensively, but it just tastes like a standard IPA. Nothing too crazy for me. A little, a little lighter than usual. Yeah. But... I would say a little lighter, a little crispier than most IPAs in my opinion. I like it personally, the retro gaming nomad. Uh, review out of 10, 10 being the highest. I give it a, I give it a solid seven. I give it a six controllers out of 10. Oh, there you go. Actually, no, no. Six arcade sticks out of 10. Six arcade sticks. There you go. So, uh, we're going to drink beers periodically through the show. Now we haven't decided what is the length of the show. So when we did our episode, which you can no longer get, uh, for free, you can only get that exclusively on this Patreon. It was like two hours plus. Yeah. Are we trying to do two hours each episode? (laughs) You know what? We we don't really rehearse. I think that the best the best thing is just go off the top of the head and see where it goes. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes then. Uh, baby Gabe, baby Gabe, of course, will be editing all our stuff. So sorry if it's too much. Now, let's start at the very top of arcade machines. Now, arcade machines mean a lot to me as they do to you, of course. And for you, you know, you are a little older, so you know that was kind of the only way you could play video games, right? Right, right. You know, next to like now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did they have portable handhelds or not really? Not really, not during that time. No, I mean, if they did, they were the you know uh, Texas Instrument. Sure, sure. You know, early, early tire electronics. Just nothing arcade quality or even Atari quality like. Sure. Like well, what about the Game and Watch? Uh, not really. I mean, the Game and Watch is you know it's uh, it, you know digital. Um, just very, very similar to how the tire electronic games are now. Just not fluid. Oh, which by the way, I want to do an episode on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Just I, I mean, they were cool. Um, but. Again, you're looking at something more uh, intuitive, more more fluid, uh, something that you can really control. And it was just kind of like, you know, it wasn't even dot matrix stuff, really. It was just a little beep and move your guy and beep and you get another screen on it. And it was, it was, they were hard to play. Now, what's the, to your memory, what is the first arcade game you ever played? Ooh, man. Um, probably my first arcade game I ever played in an arcade. Well, I could be two of them. It, it was it was definitely uh, Space Invaders and Asteroids. Now we do. You, I'm sure you know what the first arcade game is, right? Uh, Space War. Pong. Oh, Pong technically is technically Pong. the first. Technically Pong. Yes. So now, did you play Pong? Uh, yeah. Now, are you a fan of Pong? Yes. Now or back then only? It's still even now. I like Pong. Yeah, it's the casual game before casual games existed. It's uh, I mean, you look at some of the some of my favorite games that I played on home console, and they a lot of them you can you know relate back to, you know, Pong. I, I say this all the time. Like one of my favorite games to play, uh, and a lot of my friends that are listening will know about this is the old Virtual Tennis on the Dreamcast. Absolute phenomenal game, and they had that in arcade, by the way, too. But um, if you think about it, it's just a glorified version of Pong. Sure, sure. I mean, that's tennis in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, just it's just it's it's at its core one on one. Um, you know, stick animation with a ball bouncing back. If you if you hit the right angles, you can get that thing to speed up and whatnot. And later on in Pong, they had different effects where you can hold the you know ball and shoot it, and speed it up and whatnot. Get get double lines and all that stuff. But still a fun game to play. So now I'm curious though. Now before Pong, there's technically a game before that. Now not the one you said, but there's a game that technically creates the the forefront for Pong. Do you know what that is? No. So that would be um, a game called Galaxy Game, and that was actually made by uh, two students from uh, Stanford. No. And it was uh, based on the PDP eleven. I don't know what you know what that is or not, but mm-hmm. it's like some board, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, so they started that. But basically, what happens is because of that game, they then get it. They sell it to Atari. This is all in the Silicon Valley, obviously. So yeah. they sell it to Atari, and then what ends up happening is Atari then launches Computer Space. Do you remember that? Yep. So then it goes from there, and then then what leads us into Pong, which is 1972, and the whole Bushnell yes, uh, and lawsuits uh, ensue. And- we'll we'll have to save that for when we talk to the Atari guy because that'd be interesting to get his thoughts on that. Yeah. Because also too. I don't know if they will ever live up to Bushnell because let's be honest, see that dude was an animal. <laughs> he was. Uh, he just, you know, did not give a, you know what, and went about his business how he wanted to. Oh, for sure. Now, when we talk about uh, arcade machines, I think we got to kind of build a timeline for this show. So let's do this. Let's talk about nineteen. Now, I don't really have a a, font, uh, a huge memory of it. So let's start with the seventies. Name five arcade machines from nineteen seventy that you remember. Ooh. So obviously Pong is one. So that'd be one. For sure we got to count Pong. Arcade machine. So you got four more to count. Oh man, you put me on the spot here. Um, Welcome to Mike's Life. From the 70s. Um, there was a game that I played. Uh, it eventually became it eventually became uh, a rally game, a street game. I can't remember the name. Speed Race? Um, I don't think it was Speed Race. It had the Destruction Derby? No, no. It had the three, uh, three uh, steering wheels on it. It was a black and white screen. Oh man, I know that was made in the late seventies. Motocross? No, but that's Sega actually. Motocross. Man, the seventies man, that's hard. But uh, Space Invaders, Space Wars, Space Invaders, yeah. Which is interesting. So Space Invaders, when I came to Japan, right, that like took over the world so much that they had to create uh, the coin, a certain coin, so that people could play that game because it was just like. It was just so much. Everybody wanted to play it, right? Like that was the hottest game. People would gamble on it, and you can't gamble in Japan, so you would find like ways to like get to it. And um, you know that's Taito, right? If I remember correctly. And yeah. so then Taito then builds the. And you have not been in Japan, but you know I have. And with Japan, they actually have these game centers. Actually, I'm sure you know what they are. And in those game centers, they used to just be floors and floors of Space Invaders. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine that? You're just walking there, and you're like, "Yo, Space Invaders, let's go." Yeah, I mean, I see pictures of it, like uh, one of the bigger ones too. Just especially like at Sega Center was Virtual Fighter. They would have a whole level of just For Virtual sure. Fighter, and the the tournament they would all be linked up, closed screen on it. Yep. So I absolutely believe that. Yeah. So now it's more about uh, the last time I went there. Um, it was more about the um, the dancing games, mm. rhythm games. Yeah. Rhythm games are really popular out there, which makes sense. But yeah, I would say that. Now the seventies. Would you say Crossbow? I'm not even familiar with that one. Was Death Race? Was that a seventies? I know. I, I'm almost certain Crossbow was. Could be wrong. But crossbow was essentially it was more of a mechanical arcade game, and you had this little crossbow with a little trigger on it. You didn't aim at the screen. It was a light gun game, essentially. Wow. And um, yeah, I, I remember playing that. Believe it or not, man, that wasn't even an arcade. It was a, it was at a corner store by my house that had that <laughs> one. They had that. They had Phoenix. I don't know any of those that games. Racing game that I was talking about. God, I think it was. It later it later became Super Sprint. It plays just like Super Sprint, but it was just I think it was just called Sprint. 
That might have been. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was all black and white, man, but it controlled phenomenal. Now, when when you play when you're playing these games as a kid, right? Now, now you were you a kid in seventies? Yeah, you were, right? Now, when you're playing these, are you playing these at a pub? Or are you playing these at a uh, arcade? So, uh, growing up, a lot uh, they, there were definitely arcades I, uh, out and about, and that was a treat for me to go to those. But uh, a lot of the stuff that I played were at you know corner stores, laundry mats. Um, liquor stores, I'd, I'd go in, I'm old enough, and a lot of guys, older cats out there might remember this, but you used to take a, a six pack of empty bottles of Coke and take them to the corner store to recycle them. And they would give you one bottle of Coke filled up. So the corner store that I used to go to, that's where they had crossbow, they had sprint, they had Phoenix. And that's where I played these games at. And a lot of them were just, just corner stores. It, they weren't even taking the arcades. Now with uh, see I, okay so for me when I grew up playing, which would have been like the early nineties, the corner stores didn't have arcade machines. So that's interesting. They're already gone. They're already gone by the wayside then because of Atari and you know Nintendo came out, of course Sega and a lot of that stuff. You have the quality arcade games at home. Now we'll have to dive into that in a little bit, but so seventies I feel like is like the the what do you want to call it the prehistoric era, right? Mm-hmm. Very basic graphics, but you were telling me about a game. Is that the seventies or no? The one with the Vectrix or no? The Vectrix, yeah. Uh, so Vectrix, I, I, the specific game. Well, the Vectrix is the home home console, but in the arcade, the game that um, I played, uh, that I loved, uh, made me get a, a Vectrix later on when I could afford it was uh, Star Castle. Okay, and we'll we'll dive into that a little bit because we have something to talk yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. The Vectrix, for those who don't know, that's also a term for graphics, mm-hmm. but also a console. Vector graphics, yeah. and they later on made a uh, a console, and it had its own screen built in. Uh, has a controller that plugs into it, four buttons, little joystick. It was like having your own arcade machine. Yeah, uh, essentially. Before you know, uh, and and with the with the wired frame Vectrex graphics, it was identical to what they what they what you saw at home. So, but now, would you could we do an episode of Vectrex? I think or not? Uh, we probably can. Uh, there's a there's a huge following out there. Yeah. But the darn thing's just so expensive to to get, you know, let alone have a working one, but the games and stuff itself, um, they can get super pricey, man. So a lot of people don't know. But once they see it, a lot of people, you know, my age, a little bit little bit younger, be like, hey, I remember this, man, back in the day. You throw asteroids on there, and it's the closest you can get really to the arcade experience because of the Vectrix graphics. Right. Yeah, I would like to I had one a long time ago. Right, but it, it stopped working like ASAP when I got it, and uh, I would like—I would actually would really like to dive into that with you one day, but I just don't know if the the content would be interesting enough because I mean, ultimately they're all the same game, right? Just <laughs> kind of, yeah. They're like they're like shooters. There's a, there's a there's a couple like breakout style games, right? Uh, yeah, uh, simple but fun. Now I don't want to get too sidetracked with the Vectrex because that's <laughs> see that's the problem with the show. I can already see they were like, oh hey, remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. When we talk about the 70s, like that's the prehistoric era. Now when we talk about the 80s, I feel like we're finally getting into where we need to be, right? Like that's kind of like yeah. what you think of arcade machines. 80s and 90s for sure. Uh, and 90s, you know, I have a lot to say about the 90s because I can obviously connect to that. But the 80s, I know there is stuff that we, you know, I'm sure you have to say like Galaga, Galaxian. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, yeah, Rampage, Rampage, Narc. Which I'm going to be honest with you. I think Rampage, I'm sorry blows <laughs> really you don't like it it's so dumb it's like uh i mean maybe at the time right but i'm talking like yeah, there was I'm, nothing nothing like it at the time sure Especially a three-player game i mean you could, you could say that about a lot of games and that, that's cool i mean yeah just like asteroids i think asteroids is super overrated but see but here's the one here's probably the game i would die like i would die 
Like, if there's one game I can play before I die, it probably will be Galaga. Yeah. Galaga, in in my overall, you know, top one million games of all time, Galaga's in my top <laughs> one million. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it, too many, bro. It's, it, whatever. It's in my I'm top sure You can't even count to a million. You're probably right. <laughs> You'll be like, one, two million. <laughs> <laughs> Galaga, two million. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, you know, I think Galaga is one of those games that is forever timeless. It's so, it's so great. It's... It's fun. It's addictive. It's it's easy to play. It's, it's easy simple, to yeah. understand. It's it's you know very similar to Space Invaders, but but not as almost not as challenging. But then at the same time, more challenging sometimes, right? Yeah, and I think with the option of the double ship, uh, yeah, the way you dodge stuff, the challenge stage was genius that they put in there. Yeah, and it's just where Space Invaders is, you know, it's one bullet at a time, and it's just yeah i mean the strategy don't get me wrong i don't want to da- down it. you have the shields and everything that kind of kind of uh, break away and um it's it's cool it's just for me the faster pace the more options on galaga and and to this day i'll get you know my my nieces come in or 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 you know friends children will come over and they want to see the arcade they'll jump on galaga they'll jump on galaga before they jump on you know rampage or narc or you know, final fight or, you know, whatever the game may be, um, when they, when they see them, they just, it just, they gravitate to it. Now, when we talk about 80s arcade machines, I think that's like classic, right? Galaga's classic. Pac-Man oh, yeah. is classic. And we could talk about that all day, but it's so classic that you know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about games that aren't really as so out there. So one of the games I want to talk about right away, because it's right next to you, is NARC. Mm-hmm. Now, NARC, not only is it a very unique looking console, um, we might have pictures added to this, we might not, but if we do have pictures, you'll see what it looks like. Uh, but it's a very unique looking um, cabinet. Now, the actual game itself is fucking fascinating <laughs> because it's essentially a, uh, you know, a say no to drugs, you yep. know, whatever. But you're killing, like, not homeless, right? They're not homeless. No, no, they're... They're, they're junkies. They're junkies and drug dealers. But they could be homeless. They could be homeless. But we don't want to say they're homeless. No. I mean, they... They're not described as homeless. In they there. can also be flashers because they all wear uh, trench coats. They wear trench coats until you get, and this is where it kind of gets a little, uh, a little, uh, you know, scratching the neck for me is when you get to uh, Oakland and <laughs> there's a bunch of pimps. Wait, is it actually Oakland? It <laughs> yeah. says Oakland. I don't yeah. remember that. That's on the console though, for sure. Uh, probably not. Okay, so and I remember the junkies would shoot you with like syringes yep. and shoot you with like other drugs. And I think you could pick up meth and shit, right? You could, yes. Uh, the thing I remember very vividly is like you could call in like an airstrike. It's mm. basically like the Corvette, right? Or some shit, yeah. like a Lamborghini, and you shoot like rockets. Yeah, yeah. And then it just kills all of them. All our streets of rage, yeah. Um, and then on the cabinet itself, if you notice, the very right, what does that say, Uncle Dad? Say no to drugs. Say no to drugs. Say dare, right? Yeah. Now, this is not sponsored by dare. I don't think so. No, I don't think, I don't even know if dare was around at that time. But dare was the 80s, yeah. Was it this early eighties? Uh, probably mid eighties, because during the uh, you know, pandemics. Uh, now let me ask you this: so this is not Midway; it's Williams. Williams right. became Midway. Mm-hmm. But uh, so fun fact: Bali, Bali, Midway. Yes, yep. So we uh, we actually did an episode on a documentary called "It's Insert Do- Insert Coin." Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Mike did it, and we talked about this game. And Mike had very very fond memories of playing this, and he was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> Got to come through and play it, man. Yeah, man. It's a it's an interesting game because. I, you know, it's funny now because now I don't know if you would see it now. I don't know if you would see a game like that now. No. And another th- another episode I'd like to do one day is like the remakes of the 80s games. And I bring that up because NARC was remade 
in the early 2000s, 2000s yeah. PS2, yep. starring Bill Bellamy. Remember mm-hmm, him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that weird comedian that came yeah, up for a MTV little bit? MTV fame. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? How to be a player? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's funny is uh, it was it was it came out MRSP for 20 bucks. And I remember the sticker on it said, uh, uh, available right away for hit prices of 1995. <laughs> oh, wow. Because they knew. They knew. <laughs> they knew. But it was like a, it was like so different from that, right? Like the idea obviously is still there, you know, you're, you're a cop fighting against drugs, but you know, it was all like Grand Theft Auto, right? So it, it's funny because a game like that, when you think about it, is kind of like the precursor to a lot of games like Grand Theft Auto, Saints Row, you know, whatever. Yep. But it, it you know, when you play it, it still holds up pretty well, I, I think. What do you think? No. You don't think so? No. <laughs> See, I played it. There's a bar in San Jose, a shout out to Miniboss, and they have the same machine. And um, I think it still holds up. I I don't know. I, I, I play it, I think, probably because I was never good at it. Because uh, anybody who's played NARC knows you have to pay attention to the shadows to make sure you're on the right plane. Because you could be shooting and not hitting anything. You're like, what the hell? And then you eventually just, uh, you know, so in NARC, to arrest somebody, you literally just walk up to them and bump into them. And then you'll get an arrest. You'll get more points for right, right. arresting them. You know, goes with a, hey, don't kill him, just arrest him kind of thing. Cool. But while you're shooting, if you're not on the same plane and that, and that shadow doesn't match up with the plane that the, that the, the bad guy's on, it, the bullets just go by him. You just frustrate the shit out of him. But uh, maybe I just wasn't good. <laughs> now, you have it. So have you played it recently? Uh, I played it about three weeks ago. Yeah, and I still suck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to bring Mike so he can show you what's up. Yeah. No, it's. I think it's a unique game, and really, you know, and again, you'll see. Hopefully, you'll see a picture of it. But it, the, the the design of it is so unique. Why do you th- why? And if you know why, tell me. But why did they design it like that? Dude, I don't know. You got to call. You got to call and talk to the guys at Midway. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. All I know is this thing is heavy as hell. It looks heavy as hell. So, uh, before we go any further, though, t- speaking of Narc, uh, I got this from a buddy of mine, Rob. If you're listening to this podcast, thanks a lot, man. He was. Literally, he had to make room. He was moving. Uh, he had to get get rid of it. His wife was like, "Yo, you got to get rid of this thing." He wanted to give it some to somebody uh, who would appreciate it and take care of it. Uh, I'm in the, I'm in the process of restoring some stuff on it, make it shiny and brighter. But uh, Rob, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for uh, this uh, unit. His brother still has the high score on this thing, awesome. which will probably be unattainable. Now, here's the best part: he will be able to listen to it. Let me tell you why. Why? Because this first episode will be available free, for free, just so you can understand what this show is about. The first taste is always free. Like I, got talk- <laughs> I got NARC for free? Yeah. You, can, you can get this podcast for free. Exactly, yeah. So please, but yeah, so th- this episode is available free, but remember, to, uh, to hear everything else coming up in the Uncle Dad multiverse, you've got to go to patreon.com. Uh, anyways, uh, so NARC, great, awesome. Now let's talk about another unique arcade machine. I don't know if it's a unique arcade machine, but it's a very unique game to me. Please, I can't remember the name of it, so you're going to have to help me. Okay. It was a game, and it was like an arcade machine, but slash like a mechanical event, I guess you would say, where it had an arm, and then you put your hand in the arm, and then you would arm wrestle. Oh, I think it was just called like arm wrestling. (laughs) I know what you're talking about. So gimmicky arcade games. What is your memory of that? Okay, I got a specific one, and when you say gimmicky, um, this might not be on the top of everybody's list. Uh, again, if, if you were, hold on really quickly, you know, it, was, it called, was called just arm, arm wrestling. wrestling. I thought so. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if, if, if you're old enough to remember this, uh, this would probably be a shock for a lot of, uh, current gamers, but one gimmick that, um, 
I experienced in an arcade. I was in Reno, Nevada at a casino. My uncle dropped me off in there. Wait, uh, how old are you? At this time? Oh, under eight, under 18? Yeah, 15. So wait, your uncle just drops you at a casino? <laughs> no, you, you were able to be left in there uh, unattended in, <laughs> in, in, that, in that area. No, they were. They had a sign and everything. You had to be checked in, though. Okay. You had to be checked in. I remember that. So anyways, um, I think you had to be 16. I don't know. I, I was I definitely was an adult yet. Anyways, we go in there and uh they got stuff, you know, they got the the classic stuff, Tron, of course, Galaga, Centipede, Millipede, all that stuff. Fantastic. Pole position. I go to the corner and there's a bunch of people surrounded by this game. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I see them just like going ballistic on it. And it was Street Fighter. Not Street Fighter 2. The original, oh, the original Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Yes. And, and there is something very unique about there that. There was a unique about this. And as you know, Street Fighter, as known today, you got the three punch buttons on the top, the three kick buttons on the bottom. But there was a variation that was made in the arcade that only had two buttons. They were huge. One was kick, one was punch, and it depended on how hard you socked the button. And so you would pound your, the button with your fist. The buttons were really big. And you would try to do your moves and, and all that and then punch and kick with that. So that's why I was like, what, what is going on over here? And people are just slamming their fists on it. So I go and I play it and I'm a little over aggressive. I got away from that thing. I had a bruised wrist. <laughs> it was not it was not very user friendly. There was no like padding around these buttons. Yeah. So if you hit them real hard or they were worn out, you were starting to hit some of the edge of that cabinet. And let me tell you, man, my, my wrist hurt for about three, four weeks after that. Uh, I had I better I remember, for a few reasons. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my other hand. Uh, I, uh, but I had to, I had to, I remember I had to pitch a couple of days later at uh, my baseball game and dude, I was hurting. I was hurting pretty bad. And this is like pre icy hot days, guys. So uh, I had to put some Ben Gay on it. But uh, yeah, that was one of the gimmicky games. I have a lot of uh, um, uh, examples, but that one specifically stood out because what it evolved into and how popular it got later on. A lot of people don't know the origins of that thing. It didn't work, man. It yeah, was crap. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I never played the arcade machine, but I actually played that game on, I can't remember the name of it, so you're going to have to tell me if you can remember it. It was on a PSP collection of like, uh, PlayStation Portable collection of uh, the um, Capcom games. Yeah, it was ca Capcom Arcade Classics. I got it right away. Yeah, yeah. So they had that on there. You did. And I remember, and actually at the time, I think you and I were working together at the time, and I remember you saying, yeah, check it out. And I was like, but it played differently, right? They didn't play like what you say. And I think to myself, like, I'll be honest with you, it sounds like, as if you're a young kid, that sounds kind of fun, like slamming something, right? It was fun. It's probably not a good game, but... It was a, it was a quarter muncher, dude. Sure. It, it, was mo it was a moneymaker. That's all it was. Sure, sure. And I think um, when you speak about arcade games, I mean, ultimately, they were they were slot machines for kids. You know what I mean? They were mm -hmm. slot machines for kids. They were a way to make money and do stuff like that. Like, um, have you ever seen the documentary Insert Coin? Yes. You have? Okay. When they talk about like the money arcade machines make, I had no idea how much these machines make. But they also costed a lot. Yes, they did cost a lot. Yeah. So uh, an arcade machine, typically, and a, even back then, you're talking a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, for, these for sure. And so, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but I will say, you know, a lot of, you know, as as the late 90s hit and stuff and home consoles got more um, advanced and able to keep up with what was available in the arcade. A people go, oh, the arcade stopped because the home consoles. Yeah, that was a lot of it. But a lot of it has to do with dude, the cost of the units. Yep. Even though most of them are probably rented, but the electricity yes. that these things go through. I because I can tell you personally, when I throw on my one up arcade machines, not a problem. Yep. I throw on NARC and and the original I got the original Street Fighter cabinet, Tekken 3 cabinet. You throw these those things on, 
I can tell on my next electricity bill. Like it is crazy. I have to plan for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to start having to start taking collections at the door when people don't want to come over and play. So Mike, <laughs> if you're listening, you want to come play NARC, it's going to cost you 20 bucks. <laughs> Mike's not going to care. He's going to be like, okay, well I'll go play the arcade. We're left. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think um, that's a good gimmick. But arm wrestle, can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. We kind of went by that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I do. So I now we're from a area of the Central Valley uh, of California, and there was a a, a, a pizzeria, I guess you would say, that's mm-hmm. no longer with us, uh, but it's called uh, Naughty Nick's. Correct. If I remember correctly, I would play it there all the yes, time. Yes, Naughty Nick's had it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Naughty Nick's would be the adult Chuck E. Cheese, I guess you would say. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's more adult. Yeah, it was definitely more adult. They served uh, alcoholic beverages. I miss that place, man. Pool yeah, tables. Me too. Galore. Me too, man. That was a big yeah. part of my childhood. Uh, but anyways, uh, that game I remember playing all the time with my dad. And obviously, I'm a kid, so I didn't really, you know, have that strength. My dad would always, you know, kind of help me, and it was kind of fun. You're like, oh, my dad's super strong, right? But reality was, let's be honest, that computer probably wasn't even there. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I I played it as an adult, probably in the better shape of my life and you it got pretty hard later on like there's different levels and stuff that you had to do yeah but but when you talk about it like it's that's such a unique idea and i feel like you'll never see that again and i think now is the time we should bring those old ideas back like why not why not have an arcade arm wrestling machine that's kind of cool right like pay a dollar and then see if you can beat the robot like the whole whole macho thing i think that might have had to do with it though the whole macho thing like oh you can get oh you can't you little sissy boy and then fights would ensue but now here's what you do you spin it differently now all the all the wrestlers they're women, oh. they're all women, right? And they're crazy strong, so you never beat them. Because let's be honest, that woman's strong as fuck. And so there you go. Yeah, but now as a as a man with you know machismo testosterone, and he loses to a woman. No, no, no. But that's the thing. They're not marketing for those kind of men. They're marketing for like you know today's growing up man. Uh, uh, okay. Hey, women are strong as fuck, dude. Well, hey, I I doubt it, man. It's. Hey, have you seen women wrestling and women fucking doing squats and shit? It's I crazy. have, yes, absolutely. I'm like, I can't even do that. <laughs> I see some of my friends are like posting videos of them doing like squats and stuff. And I'm like, damn, man, my kneecaps will pop off. <laughs> We're also older, so. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> um, but hold on one second, because I yeah, because I got a I got a good story about Naughty Nicks. Okay, we'll get to that. But before we do, it's time for a reup of Game Papa's beer time. So let's grab a beer. Uh, you're like beer time. Uh- <laughs> then you had more to go to it. No, that's it. <laughs> okay, it's beer time. All right, so here we have a classic. And I've actually had this before, but it's it's a great beer. It's the Sierra Nevada Fantastic Haze Imperial IPA. Imperial IPA, I'm kind of afraid. Uh, this is a ABV of, oh my God, of 9%. Uh, so hopefully we don't get too drunk on this show. You have a higher tolerance than I do nowadays, but... And you're the older one, so I don't know how you do it. But I've always heard you've had the, the, you've had the blood of an eagle inside you. Yeah, I don't know if it's a... Eagle or a possum, <laughs> or just a truck. <laughs> just, 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 I'm just always, I'm always a little lit. I don't know. Always a little lubricated, huh? But Sierra Nevada, um, it's a family-owned and operated, and ag- argued over. Oh, I've never seen that before. <laughs> now we haven't done this yet, so let's hear the the pop here. Ready? Ready? You first. Okay, here we go. Mine didn't come out that good, so let's try yours. Yeah, <laughs> a little ASMR. <laughs> Oh, that's actually not as strong as I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's obviously strong. It's kind of sneaky. But yeah. A little sneaky haze. A fantastic haze. So when one of the episodes, I want to do all sours because I'm a sour man. I love sour beers. Now, very solid. Cute little yellow can. Classic Sierra Nevada look uh, logo on it. I like the haze because it makes you think of oil for some reason. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the Pennzoil logo? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
You know what Pennzoil stands for? What's that? Pennsylvania oil. Is that really? Yeah. I just found that out. Oh, really? And I was like, wait, Penn's oil. That makes sense. Now, guess what? Now we're a car show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, no, sorry. We're a motor oil show. <laughs> you did you did say lube a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah. Tied, tied there you go. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's cool. <laughs> it's going to get you drunk, I'm sure. Now, let's hear your story about Naughty Nicks. Well, we got to rate the beer first. Oh, yeah. I give it, I mean, I don't know, man. Six control yeah. sticks? I'm... Six I, arcade sticks. No, sorry, six sorry. arcade sticks. Oh, hold on. Six quarters. Ooh. Okay. I have a I have a love hate relationship with the Sierra Nevada beers. I I know they use a lot of same hops in their beers. At least I was told. I'm not the biggest cheerleader of of their stuff, and I know there's a lot of people that swear by their beers. But I gotta say, this is one of the better ones I've had. So how many quarters? I'm gonna say seven and a half arcade. Wait, arcade pinball flippers. Pinball flippers. Well, we're just supposed to save pinball for another episode. So yes. yeah, this is a seven and a half buttons. Okay. <laughs> seven and a half buttons. All right. All right. So let's hear your Naughty Nick story. Naughty Nick story. True now, Naughty story. Nick's again. Hold on. Naughty Nick's is an old pizzeria available or used to be available in the Central Valley of California. It was kind of, uh, it's been, at that time it had been around for generations, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was a uh, kind of a local pub, pizzeria pub. Yeah. Family, family joint, a lot of pizza parties there and stuff. But very much on the edge of Chuck E. Cheese, but more adult-focused. So, now that I painted the picture, a lot of green, by the way. I remember a lot of green everywhere in that place. Yes. Uh, so, go ahead, sir. So, uh, yeah, Naughty Nicks had essentially two levels of arcade games. They had a floor level, and they had like a little somewhat upper level. And this is the height of like v, uh, VHS rentals and stuff. Remember, they had the rentals in the back. They used to also, yeah. also rent uh, video games and stuff. So, um, this is circa 90... One going into ninety two, I believe it was. Um, Mortal Kombat had just come out. Jumping ahead, but okay. Let's save it till we get to the eighties or to the to later eighties. Stick to the eighties. Yes, because because Mortal Kombat's a whole thing in its own. Oh, okay, okay. So I was gonna get to that. Okay, so, so we'll save that story. So right. suspense, suspense. So, because uh, you brought up Street Fighter, so great. So now let's just dive into that real quick. Street Fighter. You can't talk about arcade machines without diving into Street Fighter. So Street Fighter, obviously, we already know the history. It's crazy, blah blah blah. blah. But in my opinion, the best Street Fighter arcade game, in my opinion, is Street Fighter Third Strike. Do you agree? No. Okay. What is yours? I really, really love uh, Championship Edition. But well, wasn't that only a console though? No, Championship Edition came out in arcade. That was the first time but, you were on, able. Hold on, you can be clear though. Championship Edition, Street Fighter Two Championship Edition. Gotcha. Uh, it was the first time because before Championship Edition came out, if you played Street Fighter Two player, you had to choose a different char- character. Championship Edition was the first time you could put Ryu versus Ryu or Ken versus Ken, and you, uh, you know, different color and all that stuff. And it was be- before Turbo came out, and of course, Turbo kind of got a little bit gimmicky with the turbos and stuff, trying to going back to Mortal Kombat. Had to have that little extra feature and stuff like that. Street Fighter Third Strike, I didn't play a lot in arcade. I played it mostly on console. Sure, on Dreamcast, I'm but, sure. Yes, for sure. And but I I liked Double Impact better. Well, that's good. They they killed Dudley for me in number three, and that was my character. Okay. And they they just toned him down so much that it it just I don't know it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth and I never recovered. Now I guess kind of sticking with Street Fighter, Street Fighter, you know, put their toes on the 3D fighting. Remember the 3D world fighting? Oh, I have it, yeah. Now, what was it called again? Street Fighter EX. EX, okay. Virtua Fighter was 3, 3TB, right? Uh, Virtua Fighter was always 3D. No, no, but it was called 3TB? 3TB for the Dreamcast. Gotcha, yeah. okay, sorry. So, yeah, back to Street Fighter. So, Street Fighter has a 3D fighting. Now, 
you know, obviously we're jumping ahead, but we're just talking about the franchise right now. So we're talking about uh, Street Fighter. We talk about the 3D version. We talk about 3D fighters. Let's be honest. They just did it because it was a hot thing. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see if they could do it. It did not translate that well. It, it didn't. They, uh, I think they saw the success of Battle Arena Toshinden on the PlayStation when the PlayStation first launched. And then I believe it was, uh, what was it, Tobal number one or whatever, yeah. Virtual Fighter was yeah, out. Yep, yep. And, you know, of course, Tekken was hot in arcades. So they're like, hey, we got to jump on this. Now, the mechanics and stuff are there. The timing is not. Nope. And um, I guess valiant effort, but it just didn't, it didn't work well. And I, and I think it showed you that Street Fighter needs to be 2D. The, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't mind that they use polygons, but the fighting absolutely has to be yes. too. Now, if they if they were to do it, something like maybe jump and hit it here, but w- one of our favorites, Rival Schools, yeah, that yeah. was a perfect example of how they got it right. Yes, yes. And we'll definitely talk about that because I want to talk about that one. When we talk about fighting games, you talk about uh, Street Fighter, you, know, you, you talk about the, the history of Street Fighter and what it's done, but you know, that Street Fighter alone could literally be its own episode. So mm-hmm. I don't want to dive in too much into that. But now to, con- now, to come back, on the subject of fighting games, because let's be honest, fighting games literally is an episode in its own, right? There's tons of episodes, tons of fighting games we could talk about. There is, and if I if I can interject, I one thing I do want to talk about arcades and going going back even further, um, kind of like a lost, forgotten, uh, nostalgic, of the tabletops, the bar top games. Yeah, those two. Yeah, you know those. I remember going to my uncle's restaurant. He had, he had a Mexican restaurant, and we would go in there, and he'd have a tabletop version of, um. Uh, Centipede and uh, Asteroids 2, I believe it was. Later on, he got Millipede. But I used to love that that right there, that field, Galaga and all that stuff uh, on, a, on a tabletop like that. It was just genius to me. And what, and what he's referring to is, if you don't know what that is, it's a, like a, literally like a large table that had either a tube television in it or some sort of screen in it. And you could play, basically underneath all that was the controls where each side, each person would sit across from each other. Mm-hmm. And you would play it. Uh, but what made it great was that you could drink your beer or drink whatever. Yep. And then, you know, look down. And it's a great way for socializing, but also at the same time playing a game. Playing, sitting down, relaxing, and just, yeah, and just enjoying the game. And, I actually and, own a tabletop. Yeah, yeah, you got, yeah, you got one. I have I have the Asteroids 2. Yeah, I, I have, have the Asteroids just 2 that. one. And I have in storage, I have a Centipede one, which definitely needs repair. But I, I, had, I got such a good deal on it, I, I couldn't pass it up. So I have to say, my favorite tabletop game, which you would think would be the Pac-Man because I own it, but no, it's a... Uh, I hope I'm not saying it wrong. Is the thing it's called the Crystal Castles? Yeah, Crystal Castles. I fucking loved Crystal I Castles. Suck at Crystal Castles. Dude, I was hella good at it. I loved it. Suck at I so fucking loved it. Actually, hold on, quick thought. So we're talking about this show, what we're gonna do with it, right? Besides going to the uh, retro game con, there's one in this in the Bay Area that we should do together for the show. That's the California Extreme Arcade uh, Arcade Convention. Yes, and they have a museum in San Francisco as well. They have a, a little uh, ar- arcade video game museum. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I went up there uh, months ago, and unfortunately, due to the times, it was closed. Are you talking about the one that's in Hayward? Uh, I believe so, yes. It's gone. They closed it 100%. I don't know if it was Hayward. I think it was San Francisco they had one. Okay, because there's one in Hayward. That one's gone. I believe I believe this one was in San Francisco. I, I'm almost certain we were in San Francisco. And we looked it up. Oh, we'll get back to that. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of these things are starting to close. And that's and that's why, you know, I think this podcast, along with the um, the trend of, you know, retro games is so important. Oh, yeah. That we, you know, keep the history of where, uh, you know, stuff came from. And, you know, some of the stuff is becoming uh, considered like antiques and collector's items. For now, sure. You know, and it, I think it's really important to remember them. Um, and th- the fact that they do have a you know, a uh, 
an agency that you know keeps all the the records and whatnot of the old arcade games and stuff. It's really cool. In fact, um, I'm looking at some of my old magazines. And I'm thinking I'm going to donate to the uh, Video Game Preservation Society uh, because uh, they want that stuff so they can see the articles. And- or <laughs> you donate to the Uncle Dad. We'll get them graded and put him in the office. You can do that. We have an office coming, by the way. Uh, you'll put him in my office, which is my my. But my, my, but my <laughs> office will be located somewhere very nice. I haven't shared with you yet. But anyways, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it, it that was a great great point out for sure like that and, and there's some other stuff i want to talk about because arcades are just so much to talk about but so let's go back really quickly uh so the 80s let's talk about 80s more in detail i'll talk about the mother, sure. motherfucking arcade so we're talking about narc talk about street fighter let's talk about more now let's kind of like run through some so one of the ones that i think of for the 80s right obviously is a lot of the classic stuff that you see behind you rampage right rampage was cool rampage also had a movie yeah which was pretty fun. Like it, it wasn't bad. It's not a good movie. But, but then it, again, when you throw the rock into something, it usually comes out pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's just fun, you know. Uh, Rampage was cool. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I understand why it's so why it's so beloved. Mm-hmm. When we talk about other '80s games, obviously you can talk about Pac-Man. Pac-Man's amazing, but we don't need to talk about Pac-Man because everybody talks about that, right? So let's talk about other '80s games that I'm forgetting about. So throw some at me. Uh, Bagman, Moon Patrol. Good, good. Um, wait, hold on, I got one for you. Uh, Tapper. Oh, yes. But before it was called Tapper, it was called Beer Tapper. Beer Tapper with, with the Budweiser, Budweiser fucking Budweiser tap. handles. Yeah. There was an arcade uh, shop near us here in the valley that was actually selling one. And to this day, I kicked myself in the butt for not buying it. I didn't have the money at the time. I was a lot younger when they were closing up. But I, I, I probably could have borrowed some money or something like that at the time to get it. And I wish I did. Uh, but yeah, those were classics. A big, a big game, uh, for me, uh, in the eighties was uh, Double Dragon. Yep, Double Dragon. Double Dragon, Renegade, Shinobi, um, of course the Mario Brother games, Strider, Donkey Kong, uh, Strider. Absolutely, Strider. Strider blew me away when I first saw that one. I'm sure, I'm sure. Strider it's not, it's not that great now. If I'm honest with you. No, a lot of those games, you know, it's it's nostalgic, but once you play it, you're like, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson Moonwalker, which is completely different from the Genesis one. So we're going to save that for our celebrity episode because okay. I definitely want to do, do you that. you have Michael Jackson on? Well, yes. He's going to come to Hologram. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that ever again. <laughs> All right. So we, uh, those Dragon are Slayer. Dragon's, oh, I was just going to say that. Ugh. So I always forget his name, but do you remember the cartoon artist behind that? No. Always loved his artwork. Though. Yeah, yeah. Because he did the Hobbit movie. You remember that? Yeah. The, 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 um, uh, is it the one with Litter Nimoy as the... Yes. Uh, Don Bluth. There you go. So Don Bluth did a bunch of great stuff. Yeah, that space. It's you know the trilogy space. Yes, and... yeah. But that the guy who was behind that, just to kind of clear it up, he was behind a bunch of great stuff, man. I mean, he was behind the Church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> but he did the Archies. He did uh, Robin Hood. He did Winnie the Pooh and Tigger Two. The Rescuers. Remember the Rescuers? I do remember the Rescuers. Uh, Pete's Dragon. I know you remember Pete's I don't Dragon. Remember Pete's Dragon. Uh, he did. Uh, he did the small ones. Salt Lake City. The Banjo and the Woodpile. And of course, Dragon Lair. The Hobbit. And of course, Space Space Ace. A bunch of great stuff. And that arcade game was also gimmicky and a motherfucking quarter muncher because oh, literally. Oh my god. It was all based on memory. Yes, because it was the idea was that you're playing an animated story, and I like it a lot because you know I'm very fond of full motion video games. Because and they were that just... was on also Laserdisc. Yeah, Laserdisc. Yeah, is there is there Laserdisc games? Dragon's Lair was a Laserdisc. Game. Well, I mean, like, like if we popped it in, could we play it in a Laserdisc? No, right? Probably because it's just directional. 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah, I can I can dust off a laser disc if yeah. you can find it. <laughs> so for those who don't know what laser disc is, it is a very very large DVD essentially. Yeah, a DVD or CD. Yeah, that looked essentially like a like a vinyl record, like a record, the same size, but both sides usually were you know had the data on it. And yeah, they were collectible. They look cool as collectibles. And fun fact, Laserdisc is the only way you can still get the original non-edited version of the Star Wars trilogy. Oh, nice. That's the only way you can see it. Uh, I have it on VHS. So one of them is on the So I, from my understanding, I could be wrong, but from my understanding, the VHS, one of the trilogy, I'm talking about the full trilogy. Yeah, I have it. So from my understanding, one of those movies is edited, always. I don't think this one is, man. I don't know, man. That's what I've always are you been talking told. About the, are you talking about the theatrical release? The only way to get it is Laserdisc. Laserdisc, wow. I, well, I, know for, I know for a while the only way to get the original Mortal Kombat was Laserdisc. Um, <laughs> which I have that one. And uh, are we talking game or movie? Uh, the movie, Mortal Kombat movie. God. Uh, un- unedited, and there was—I guess—there's extra scenes on that that weren't on the VHS or something like that, or even on the DVD. All right, we keep bringing it up. Let's just yeah, get man. to it. Let's yeah, just but get... that's what we do. We just, yeah, <laughs> just keep going. Like, let's just get. Let's just get to it. Mortal Kombat. Let's go. Oh, you wanna, uh, okay, okay. Because uh, we're gonna start bringing up some other. Okay, let's hear. Let's hear your other arcade games. Go. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Mr. Do. Of course, Rally X. I'm missing a major one. Dig Dug was cool. Dig Dug. Dig Dug was huge, huge, huge. Dig Dug was great. Um. Karate champ. No, dude, that's horrible. Karate champ, dude. I'm telling you. Horrible, oh horrible. man, no. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Karate Kid. On Not Karate. No, oh, come on, dude. Karate champ with the dual yeah, joysticks. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. They're pl- they're playing it in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's right. And then they made a Sega version, right? Black Belt. No, Black Belt. Uh, for the Sega Master System. Yeah. No, Black Belt. Uh, was made. Uh, believe it or not, by Yuji Naka, the creator of Sonic. Uh, well, one of the one of the guys behind Sonic. And uh, Black Belt is actually Fist of the North Star, but for America. Oh. They didn't have the rights to Fist of the North Star, so they had to change some of the backgrounds from a basically like a, a Chinese uh, a village look to more of an American style, so they put a lot of brick walls and stuff. But if you look at the character, and I put a spike, more of a spiked hair on him, you'll be like, holy crap, why didn't I notice this before? And then they did a sequel to it on the Genesis called Last Battle. But those games are Fist of the North Star. Gotcha. Well, good to know. There you go. Now, give me some, give me some more. Throw some more. 80s. Oh, uh, 80s? Uh, God, uh, the original. Uh, what was the... Um... Oh, wait. We're forgetting a major one. Mario Bros. I was just going to say that. <laughs> the, the, the Nintendo... Um, what was it? The Multicab or whatever. Remember, you were able to choose the different games. So it had Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers. Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think so. And then um, the arcade version of Punch-Out. Oh yes, remember that yes, one? You, yeah. I always thought you were the Hulk because he had the yeah, green he had the graphics green, like, stuff. Uh, he had green like vector graphics, basically. Yes, but that was gimmicky too. Because remember the sticks you had oh, to punch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. And then um, there was a couple of other boxing games that that you know later on came came with that uh, the whole punching aspect to it. But going back to gimmicks, man, what other gimmicks can you think of in arcades that we're like? Well, this is not the eighties, but what's in general? I know what you're gonna say. No, I doubt it because it's in Japan only. I can't remember. I don't know the, the American name for it, but there was a Japanese game I played when I was in Japan, where it was literally about you flipping a table. Did you ever play that? I, this is exactly what I knew you were going to bring up. <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> so it literally was a, a yellow table, and when it was your when it said go, you had to flip the table hella hard, and then in the game, all the things would throw around. 
like like ah just fly around that sounds pretty fun it was it's horrible but it's so good yeah. <laughs> it's like the now frustrations yeah so uh yeah you would literally flip the table you just it's literally like a half of the like a round table and you grab it from the one each side and then you just throw it like forward and it hits the screen and then you see on the screen like and there's always scenarios so like one of like it'll be like a chef's kitchen Mm-hmm. And he's the chef's cooking, and then this shit's flying everywhere. It's like, ah! Oh. My favorite one was the funeral. <laughs> You're at a funeral, and you can just throw a bunch of shit at the funeral. I gotta play this game. You know what it's called? I have to see if I can find it real quick. While I look for, while you it, look, yeah, I'm gonna bring up some other uh, gimmicky stuff. Now, what I'm about to say is kind of blasphemous uh, in my own mind because I'm such a big fan of these games. So first off, I am a huge fan of all of these games, and when it came to arcades. And there was a, a, a place here in the valley that we used to go to called uh, uh, Super Kid. And they had many of these. Um, and these were 80s as well. But Hang On, uh, Space Harrier, and Afterburner. All great games. They all, and then later on Outrun, they all had, uh, created by uh, Yu Suzuki, uh, they all had, the true arcade experience had the seat moving ability. So hang on, you sat on the motorcycle and you would lean left and right. Namco later on picked that up for their uh, MotoGP series in the arcade, which you can still find in some places now, but it uses the same aspect. Lean into the left and right to steer. Uh, Outrun had the seat moving ability. So did Space Harrier. Space Harrier to me was the scariest one because you literally had to put a seatbelt on. Yeah. That seat was small and you can easily, if, if you hit it just right, you could fall out of that thing. Oh, man. Then later, uh, Afterburner kind of used the same technology. They perfected it in a little bit. But do you remember the R360? No. The R360 was essentially a like a G.I. Joe flight pod, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. It was a, a, a capsule that you would have to get in. Uh, the only place I saw that was at Disneyland. It cost me $4 back then to play, and that was a lot of money back then, but I had to do it. I was like, dude, Sega, it looks like Afterburner. But the thing why they call it the R360 is because this capsule literally moved in 360 degrees. So you can flip upside down while you're playing this game. The bad part of it, and I was a witness to it. uh, Thank God it was after I played. But people would get on that thing after they had a nice little cheapy slice of pizza. And they would just roll. Oh, my God. And it was was a capsule. So it just like swished around while you're... Disgusting, dude. But gimmicky wise, yeah, there were gimmicks. The games played played well, but later on, I saw the stand up version of these games without the seat moving, and they were cool. Not definitely not as involved and involving as that whole seat moving aspect, which added so much to the games. And um, but yeah, I had to throw that one in there because those things are. If you see one of those today, you're like, holy crap! The whole seat moves and goes up and down and throws you all over the place. Yeah, it was like a bucking bronco. <laughs> so the game I was talking about, there is no American name, so it's called. I'm probably saying this horribly wrong, so I apologize. It's um, uh, Cho Chibudai, uh, Gaishi. Oh, that translates to table flipper. <laughs> probably. <laughs> right. But uh, basically, yeah, it's a plastic. There's a plastic table, and you pick one of four uh, scenarios, and you flip the table. That's literally that's it. <laughs> I gotta play this game, man. Uh, so they have it in San Francisco, actually. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Right now. At this, uh, yeah, right now. Let's cut it short. Yep, bye. Uh, no, it, it is a unique game, and it reminds me a lot. The humor reminds me a lot of WarioWare. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I, that's one of the gimmicks I always remember. I played it, and I was like, what the fuck? I mean, I flipped the table, and then sure enough, it's fucking crazy, dude. They'll make a game out of anything there, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. And speaking of uh, our, the arcade experience, and we are talking about different levels and stuff, when you went there, did you see the ridiculous amount of horse racing games? So at the places I went to, they didn't, it wasn't really like... Really? Yeah, so I went to the Taitos Game Centers, and I went to the Sega Game Centers, and the ones that I visited, not really. Oh, wow. Uh, there was one in Harajuku. No, no, Harajuku, I'm sorry. At uh, Akihabara. And that one had like six, but not like a floor. Just like okay. six. Because I remember there used to be floors of them in, in the height of its day. Yeah, so I don't think that's the case anymore. I'm like telling you, Gallup man. Racer and stuff. Well, I, that, was a, that was a legal way of yeah, betting back sure. then. Sure. But I'm telling you, and I'm not kidding with you. Rhythm games took over that. Fucking, oh, I'm sure. Because like you got people who you would never think that are like quote unquote dancers that are playing DDR or whatever it is called over there. Shout out to Para Para Paradise. Sure. <laughs> What's that? You don't play that one? No. Yeah, dude. Para Para Paradise was one of the first ones. It was arcade unit. Later out came for Dreamcast, but uh, it used this. Um, there was basically uh, pillars around you, and you would use your hands, and you would just basically move your hands I have in a different that. direction. Yeah. So you had high, low. So it's, it's kind of like Samba de Amigo. We have to talk about Samba de Amigo or throw that in there. But basically, it's Samba de Amigo, but you didn't have the maracas. You would just move your hands. You put them on the sensor. I did play that. You actually, there's actually a place in the Bay Area that still has it. But okay, so uh, gimmicky games, 80s games. I'm sure we're missing a bunch, but let's yeah. be honest here. There's so many awesome arcade games, and we're not going to get them all. I know one that we should definitely bring up is Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, sure. Because it's so fucking hard, but so good. And it was remade recently, right? Like yeah, the yeah. sequel or remade? Uh, uh reimagining gotcha. of the original. Still hard as hell too. Looks fantastic. And I just I just wish they did a uh, ho- hopefully limited run and somebody comes out with a the physical copy of it because I would really like that. But um yeah, good. Although I thought the one on the Capcom Classics was better. I can't remember. I haven't played that in so long. Yeah, so. they kind of re redid it and um in its own right on the PSP and it was really well done. And they made a sequel, I think, for the PSPSU, right? Uh, I wouldn't call it a sequel. It later became Maximo, but... Oh, I love Maximo. I didn't like Maximo, man. A lot of people hold that in high regards. Never fed. We're getting off topic. We're going to go to <laughs> yeah, consoles. That's a whole other thing, too. That, w- that would be a good show for a topic for a show. All right. 80s. Check. 90s. 90s, man. Street now, Fighter. Now, let's just go... No, hold on. Straight to it. Mortal Kombat. Okay, I got a story of Mortal Kombat. So, um... Uh, I think I know this story. Actually, yeah, you, you've heard this before. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, myself and a, and a couple of buddies of ours, we were able to play the basically the beta version of Mortal Kombat when it, when it was an arcade again at Naughty Nicks. At this time, um, it did have Mortal Kombat on a marquee, but there was no there was no uh, side art on the cabinet. It literally just said Mortal Kombat. A little bit glitchy, but at the time we didn't know it was glitchy. Anyways, we we're playing it and we became pretty good, like pretty darn good at this game. Uh, we were later approached by a gentleman that actually worked for Midway. And at the time they were going around just kind of seeing, Hey, what were the, the hiccups on the game? I guess they were, they were checking the, the, the code or whatever, booting it up and seeing what was freezing and what was not. So he comes to us, he goes, Hey, you guys are pretty good at this game. Um, you know, how about you guys send, you know, some kind of report back, back to me of, of stuff that you find whether he was doing his job or, or getting away from doing his job and having us do it for him, who knows? But we did. We did. And that's, that's kind of how I got into the video game industry, so to speak, uh, was, was kind of that. Anyways, he told us about it. He's like, hey, you guys are pretty good. You guys should go to uh, this place in Milpitas, which we're fairly familiar with, Street Fighter and stuff, because uh, they have tournaments there. 
we're th- we're badass. I mean, uh, the group of my friends and I, I wasn't even the best player, but I hold my own pretty much against anybody, uh, except the guys in, in, in our, our gaming group, which I played all the time. So I got better. Anyways, we go down, down to Milpitas with our, with our style and stuff. And we find a whole different style of playing that game and we get our asses handed to us. So our job was to come back, play each other with their style, get better and eventually go back. So we, we did, we came back and, uh, hanging out pretty much every weekend, at least, uh, twice a weekend, sometimes during the week as well. Uh, and we got into this little kind of contest with a group of guys that were there already. And um, one of the guys, well name, I won't say his last name, but Alex, he's so good at this game that he tells this guy who thinks he's badass, I'll, I'll beat you with one button. You choose the button. And the guy made the biggest mistake of his life. Right away, he goes, block. <laughs> he goes, okay. What this guy doesn't know is that Alex's best character is Kano. I mean, he was unstoppable with Kano. And anybody who plays the original Mortal Kombat knows Kano, when he ducks, he has the lowest duck. So he doesn't have to block any kind of uh, projectiles coming at you. You just duck under them, which leaves the block button free, which leaves the ability to uppercut and whatnot. But mind you, he can only use the block button. But playing Kano, in order to throw the sickles, it was hold block and you go back forward. And he would throw the sickles. To spin, all you would have to do was spin. Uh, the joystick. If you want to spin in place, you just held the block button. So the, really, the only block button you you needed, I mean, button you needed was block in that case. Right. And he was so good, he was able to do that. So he kicks his ass the first round. I mean, it was embarrassing. He almost, he almost gets a flawless victory. Wow. Second one, he gives him the second round. And this time, he's just blocking and blocking and blocking to try to see his style, his, his, his uh, habits and whatnot. And he's got him down pat. So before... The third round starts. He looks at me. He goes, hey, you got me on the fatality? I go, what do you mean? He goes, I can't hit any other, other button but block. So uh, when I do the fatality, can you hit, you know, I think it's high, high punch or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I got you. And um, he lets this guy even hit him a couple times. Gets his hopes up and then just proceeds to annihilate him. He does this double sickle. The guy jumps at him. He's ducking. He comes up and does like a double sickle. Uh, uh, juggle, hits him uh, with a sickle one time. The guy goes floating up, hits him a second time, goes floating up, and then does a spin in the corner, and just it's it's over by that time. So he backs up, and uh, of course, finish him comes up, and he goes, "Got me, you got me." And I was like, "Yeah," and they don't know what's going on. So he goes, "Sorry, but I got to do this to you." And so he does the motion, and I run up and I hit the punch button, and this guy loses it. <laughs> he gets so pissed off. What we don't know is he has a bunch of guys with him too. And they're not the friendliest guys. A gun is shown. <laughs> and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just a video game, man. But he felt disrespected. But before that, in all fairness, he was the one that was talking crap to my boy. He wasn't even talking stuff. He was like, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, was, he's like, hey. And he tells him, he goes, no, save your money, man. You don't want to play me. Just let me finish the game. Save your money. I'll beat you. I'll beat, you. I'll beat anybody. He was the one talking shit. Anyways, yeah, man, we almost died that day. We almost died over Mortal Kombat at Naughty Nicks. And that's probably one of the reasons why it shut down. Hey, this is back in the day where you could smoke. So the whole time Alex is playing, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. And he's puffing it and blowing it in this guy's face. That was <laughs> ridiculous. Shout out to Alex. You know who you are. Now, what's interesting about that? Mortal Assassins. Mortal Assassins. Mortal Assassins. Mortal Assassins. What's interesting about that is um, that is a time era where you could, not that you could do that, but people could do that. Because I know that 
one of the reasons why arcades started getting closed because they were becoming a they were becoming like like epicenters for drugs and for for gang I got a story about that too. Well, not this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's real quick. Okay, and go ahead. You said epicenter for drugs. I didn't know this neither. I always went for the arcade games. So he says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, like Nart says, don't do drugs, <laughs> yeah, guys. Don't do drugs, guys. No, but I was never into that, and um, I didn't know till later on. In in our in the we have a mall in in our town hometown here, uh, and there was an underground arcade down there, and I always oh, wondered. Yeah, I've heard remember, the it was in Land of Oz it used to be called Sega Center. Yeah. And I always wonder why they closed it down, of course, electricity and all that stuff. But the main reason was like, no, man, there was major drug deals done down For here. For sure. And that's the truth. It was the truth. I had no idea. I got kicked out of there. Another quick story. Uh, th- their their quarter machine was giving out five quarters per dollar. <laughs> nice. And I basically wiped them out and I got caught and I got kicked out. I could never <laughs> go back in. But hey, I made my money. I finished Street Fighter that day. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I'm not Street Fighter. Uh, Double Dragon. This is Double Dragon 2. But no, yeah, there were, there were huge like drug like. They were epicenters for crime. They were. Uh, yeah, I know in New York that was a huge thing. Uh, there was a lot of crime happening in there. I mean, which makes sense, right? Like it's a it's an area where you wouldn't think people would hang out, and then you can get the kids young, or whatever. Yeah, doing coke on the Tron cabinet. Yeah, just like <laughs> bro, fuck all the black light. Look at look at the look at the snow globe. <laughs> oh fuck. Um, yeah, so I, I, it makes sense, but <laughs> when you think about like <laughs> they're getting all high, they're like, look at Dick Doug. <laughs> You know, uh, but yeah, that was this interesting time era of games. But in the 90s of arcade games, to go back to that, there was so many great stuff other than, obviously, you know, what you just said. Uh, but something I, I want to bring up from the 90s was Sniper. I knew you Sniper Scope. Yeah, not Sniper Elite? No, that's that's Sniper Scope. They had the actual scope on it. Yeah, so Sniper Scope was probably one of the games I played all the times as a kid. I fucking love that game. I remember that you would, um, I, I only remember playing Sniper Scope 2 and 3. And I remember there was always that trick where you could like, and it probably seems kind of pervy now, but like you could look into one of the rooms and it's a girl in her in her in her bra and panties. Do you remember that? I heard about this. I never saw it. Yeah, I saw it once, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I was like, "It's real." <laughs> Did she look at you and go? Pee! No, she just looks at you like that and goes like, oh, "Plus one thousand points." What? <laughs> yeah. You got points for being a peeper? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, are you surprised? <laughs> In that time era, yeah, for sure. Being a peeping Tomas. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, that was a great game. I love playing that game. You ever play the one on one? Because they had the linked version. Never. Every time I ever play. And then whenever played the other one. That's the only time I ever played where there was somebody on the other side because I could never do the single player mode. Somebody would always challenge. And I hated that there was no way to turn the challenge off because I wanted to play the arcade game. Dude, that was a that was a quarter muncher, dude. Oh, for sure. For that sure. Game was a for sure, yeah. Uh but there was games like that. And you know what? Look, I think this is nineties, and we gotta do it for Mike. Die hard arcade. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we, as you know, as you should know, at least Mike is a diehard. My co-host of Uncle Dad Talks, uh, Mike Hamden, is a hardcore Bruce Willis fan, and you can't talk about Bruce Willis if you don't talk about Die Hard, and you can't talk about Die Hard on an arcade episode and not bring up Die Hard the Arcade Machine. Now, die Hard the Arcade Machine did not, did not starve our Bruce Willis. No, I mean at least. Well, no, no, the guy he was John, not John, John McClane, right? I don't know if they ever name him in the game. Really? I, I don't think they do. Well, it, it's called Die Hard the Arcade Game, and I think it's all three movies? No, it's just called Die Hard Arcade. Okay. But it's just the first movie or the first two? I don't even think it's movie-based. I mean, it's loosely, because they show the tower, but they don't call it, I don't think they call it Nakatomi. What do they call it? Sakatomi? <laughs> oh, ah. Sakatomi. I don't know. I don't know. what. They, I have to go back and play it. I don't know. We can pop it in. 
No, that's a but good um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he kind of looks like like a Bruce Willis, maybe. But it's just he uh, has the he has the wife beater on, right? He has a wife beater on. He's it's he's not. I don't think he's barefoot. Right, is he bald? He's not bald. He has no. A he has a little bit hair. of hair. Yeah, he's short hair. hair. Right? Yeah. But I I I don't know. I was asking somebody else this, and we don't know. Was that the first time that a quick time event appeared? A you know QTE? what's funny? It's funny. Is I I think it might have been the start of it because. The only other time I'm aware of that is, um, God, I think it's called, I want to say it was called Gunbird, where it was like a giant machine gun and he was shooting in the, the city. Yeah, Gunbird, LA Machine Guns, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that was the first time I've seen it, and if that came out before. I think it came out before that. Then it would have been that one then, because that had a, a quick time event in it where you had to go like, right. Yeah, the only other thing I could think of that preceded that was. Well, no, quick time events go back to Dragon's Lair, so. Uh, not really. That's more of a no. Uh, that's still technically a quick time event because it's technically a cutscene. The whole scene. game's a quick time event. That's what I'm saying. So technically, no, it goes. Back well, is this one? It, it, regardless if you did or not, the game wasn't over. Okay. Yeah, it would it would go saying. into a different scene. The only thing that I think preceded that really, and your game didn't end, was maybe like Samurai Showdown when they when they got together and they locked up and you had to hit the button to see who broke off first and their weapon would fall or whatever. But that, I don't know if that's considered a quick time event. But anyways. I think Die, Die Hard Arcade might be the first time they did a QTE, but it wasn't named QTE. I think till Shenmue, but right, whatever. What a what a what a what a fun game though. Like it, I mean, it's a fun game. It reminds me a lot of a Dreamcast title called Dynamite Cop. Oh yeah, but it was a fun game. You know, a lot, a lot, it's very unique. You know, die, it's Die Hard branded. I don't know if it really is Die Hard, but we will definitely have to I have some of the attraction and like the lore to it. Yeah. That it's like, is this really Bruce Willis and Die Hard? Right, right. Not really. We'll definitely have to have Mike uh, play that with us one day on the show. But yeah, Die Hard Arcade, we got to talk about. And then also on the subject of like this shit, I think, I, hopefully I'm saying it right. Revolution X. <laughs> oh, yeah. Star- the Aerosmith. Aerosmith game, yeah. So it was like, it was a gun shooter, like that had a mounted gun on the arcade game. Uh-huh. And then you would shoot I, bullets, but then you could shoot CDs. Uh, Do you remember that? That was also Midway. And that game did gangbusters. It did so well. Because at the time, there was a specific song that Aerosmith made. Only for that, right? You yeah. only hear it when you played it. So the whole reason why people played it were like, oh, I fucking love Aerosmith. I got to play I got to play it, right? And like, I remember loving it because I don't remember. The storyline's really weird. Like, they're trying it's to stop. It's a shooting game. You try to put a, st- a storyline to a shooting game. It just doesn't work. But then, okay, on the subject of shooting games, it's kind of tagging that. House of the Dead. You can't talk about that, right? Yeah, House of the Dead, Virtual Cop. Virtual Cop. Uh, time Crisis, man. I think, I think uh, as far as arcade experience and... Maybe a little gimmicky, but it worked with a pedal. Was Time Crisis? I like Lethal Weapon. No, Lethal Enforcer. Lethal Enforcer is by Konami. That was good too. Yeah, uh, the Lethal Enforcer One has this level where you're shooting a bunch of people that are driving in a like a like a UPS truck. Mm-hmm. But if you look in the back, they drive by like a hundred thousand rubber stamp stores, and it's like, come on, dude. First off, in that time frame, is there that many rubber stamp stores already? And there's damn way there's no way there's that many. Rubber stamp stores. The old, the old <laughs> days of pellet swapping. <laughs> right, and uh, so that one, House of the Dead. Um, yeah, House of, House of the Dead, without a doubt. There was you. You brought up L.A. Machine Gunners. Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One would be a big Area Fifty One. I wanted to say real quick. Operation Wolf. That's a good one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which they made a uh, NES game of that. Yeah. Yeah. They did. They did on a on the Sega Master System, I believe. Too. Oh, really? But when we talk about those kind of games, Area 51, I fucking love that game. I love aliens. I love horror. And it was so cool to see, like, Disney types actors and, like, hey, what are you doing? Stop. What are you doing? Stop. That's the arcade one-up I can't wait for. Is a 
Area 51. Yeah. I would buy that. And they remade that to a pretty awesome, in my opinion, 360 game. I don't know if you ever played that. It's called mm-hmm. Area 51. Oh, PS2, I'm sorry. PS2 Area 51 was pretty solid. I liked that a lot. Did you use the gun con? No, it was a first shooter. Oh, you're talking about FPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know about that. I thought talking about like, no, gun no, no, shooting no. games. They, like, they haven't remade it yet. But that was really cool. What are other great? Because, I mean, you can't talk about the arcade. I was like, how about the light gun game? It's a light gun game. It's like, that was the bread and butter for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, that's my game. Oh, you're talking about like for home? For home console? No, no, for, uh, well, oh. well, it was light gun arcade, right? It was called a light gun game? Yeah, they're called light okay, guns. Yeah. I mean, they were at home too, but I, I don't know if we're sticking to ar- arcade or we're talking about home stuff too. Because home stuff, I'll just bring it up. One of my favorite series was uh, Point Blank. They made an arcade for that too, though. They did in Japan. I never saw one in America. I played it in Japan. That's why I was thinking, yeah. I know I've never played it. Yeah, <laughs> Japan, I, I, unless unless they did make it in America, I never saw an American one. But point, the Point Blake series, I absolutely love. You know what's another good one? And it's old, it's newer, but it, or newer-ish, is uh, Ghost? 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 Ghost Hunters? No, no. Ghost Recon? No, no. Ghost Core? Ghost Core? They made it for the, they, they brought it to the Wii, but it was like Ghost something. And it was like I a, think I remember what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, but it had a uh, uh, like a submachine gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gun. I played that in arcade. Yeah, that was they good. had it here. Uh, well, dating myself now, but we used to have a golf land. They used to have it there. There's still golf lands. Well, here. Okay. There's, <laughs> there's still golf <laughs> lands. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure there's other ones I'm forgetting. So, but Time Crisis is a great one. I think that Time Crisis with the foot pedal, how you would like, you know, that made you feel like a badass, right? Yeah. Uh, Virtual Cop. Yeah, we said that. Oh, you did. Okay. Time Crisis, Crisis Zone later on came out. Yeah, but Crisis Zone was like you played like a SWAT officer, right? Yes, and then they had, um, of course, later on the Jurassic Park games. You ever play that one? I love the Jurassic Park game. You're, you're sitting inside the cab and it's all moving on you. I love that. That was a fun one. Yeah, there was even like a safari one later on. Yeah, yeah, and it had the catcher. Yeah, the yeah. dinosaur catcher. Yeah. Now I don't know if you ever played this. I played it in Japan. So I don't know. If they ha- I know they have it here, but I only played it in Japan. Was there's a game called Luigi's Mansion. And they made an arcade light gun game. Oh, no. You never played that? No. They have it in the U.S. I know for sure they have it at John's Incredible Pizza Play. No, no, sorry. What's the other one? David Buster's. Well, because I know I know Nintendo uh, worked, I think it was with, they worked with some of the Namco guys. And they did a bunch of arcade versions of, like, they did Mario Kart arcade version. I know they did that. They did, what else did they do um, that was kind of off the wall? They did a couple, but now the first time I heard of uh, Luigi's Mansion. So Luigi's Mansion, you actually hold a vacuum. Oh, sick. With that, and then the vacuum has like a recoil function. Mm-hmm. So when you're sucking a ghost, <laughs> it's like going like this, like that, back and forth. And you're feeling it come in there. And then as soon as it goes from there to the screen, you feel the vibration of it as if, if it's going into your water bag or whatever. Well, I'll have to show it. Next time you come visit me, I'll have to show it to you. I can't, I can't come within 20 feet of a arcade. Yeah. Or... High school. <laughs> He's joking. He, he's very much joking. <laughs> Make that very clear. So in the 90s, I feel like we skipped a lot of great stuff. Tekken was a great one you brought up. Yeah. I mean, Tekken became a huge franchise, obviously. Uh, Rival Schools, and we want to talk about that real quick. Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur. Because in the 90s, it was still very much fighting games that dominated. Very much. Dominated the arcade the arcade scene at the time. For sure. But there was also some that I think are beloved to you that you haven't brought up yet. I'm surprised. I, I, can, I, can I bring one up right now? Let's see if you do. NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. Sure, that's huge. a good one. I was going to dive into sports in a second, but okay. Okay, yeah. But uh, but huge. what I was going to say was Virtual On. Oh, yeah. Virtual On. Now, explain what Virtual On is. So, Virtual On is a, um, basically, you're a huge mech, like robot, if you will. Um, and you control them by these uh, twin joysticks, one on the left, one on the right. They have trigger buttons, and they have thumb little thumb buttons on top. 
And essentially all you do, it's a one-on-one battle. You're in an arena. You can't fall out or anything like that. And you're able to um, uh, strafe sideways, left or right. You can jump up in the air, fly a little bit while you're in the air. A lot of combat takes place on the, on the ground. And depending on the way you point your sticks and whatever, you can rotate the camera and whatnot. Takes a little while to get used to. An absolute blast of play, in my opinion. They did make console versions of it um, for both the Sega Saturn and the Sega Dreamcast. They did make twin sticks for both consoles. The twin sticks for the Sega Saturn are really hard to come by. You have to import them. Uh, as well as the Dreamcast ones, too. We got them right here. And for both the Saturn and the Dreamcast, they did System Link. So they have a link cable. Yeah, You can play it, and the Dreamcast is as close as you can get to the arcade unit. I even have some models of the um, of the uh, some of the some of the mechs in the game. And what's really cool is when you play the original virtual on on the very back of every character, there's a little Sega Saturn. And when they boost forward or use any kind of um, uh, sliding ability or boost ability, the Dreamcast opens up and the disc shows in the later on version, which is uh, called uh, virtual on uh, Cyber Troopers or Ontario Tangram or whatever. Um, their Dreamcasts. Ah. So really cool. And it runs off. If you turn behind, you see that little Naomi thing right there. They actually run off that right there. Ah. You can actually pop a Dreamcast game in there and it'll work. Really? Yes. That was the arcade unit. It just has more. It's basically like a Dreamcast with a lot more RAM. No loading. Very cool. Virtual, yeah, I wanted to bring a virtual on for sure. Little, also going back to a little gimmicky. Kind of gimmicky with the sticks. But it worked. It, worked it was really well. well. And those cabinets were phenomenal. They're, they, were, they were fantastic, but they were huge. Took up a lot of space, man. Yes. Now, when we talk about gimmicky, we talk about arcades, because I think ultimately that's what arcade is, kind of gimmicky. Yeah, it's an attraction. I cannot remember the full name, and I think this is the name, but it was it was late 90s. It was called, I think, Battlehead 2000. Yes. The thing that popped on your head and you would rotate. Yes. I love that game. It was like Beachhead, wasn't it? Beachhead Beachhead 2000. Yeah, that's what it was. Beachhead, Beachhead. yeah. Because you basically were on Normandy. Love that game. Played it at um, Dave & Buster's in San Jose. Yeah, and uh, you can actually do multiplayer with that too, and like gang up. Oh, dude, love that. Yeah, game. so basically, it was an apparatus that was like almost like a VR headset that you pulled down that was connected to like a tracking system, and you pulled it down and you covered your face. Now it didn't actually enclose; you just hold your face on it, and then you have these triggers on each side of your hands, and then you have the screen. But the cool thing is, if you move your body like full three sixty, you could see the entire Edo Beach, right? And essentially, you're playing you know the Normandy battle. But it is something that I feel like we all forgot about. <laughs> Loved it. It was such a unique game experience. And it was straightforward. Just, you know, move around, shoot, right? But it was fun, gimmicky, but it worked. And, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up. And now today's standards up. Nowadays, not very COVID-friendly. Well, I mean, arcades are not COVID-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not that one. Yeah, definitely not you that put somebody, one. Somebody's in there sneezing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, 90s, I'm sure we're missing a lot of great hits. But it's just, you know, arcades, we can... Let's be honest. We can revisit this as a part two episode. Yeah, but I, I, I just really, I really think the NBA Jam, NFL Blitz. Yes. Oh yes, that's uh, so I wanted to bring up sports. So sports arcade games were a very big deal, right? We're talking about NFL Blitz, NBA Jam, three v three hockey was a big one. Yeah, in a, NHL hits. Yes, that one. Well, they were all great. I actually have an NBA Jam machine. Nice. It, it it's just they were they were great ways to get people who uh, who weren't fans of sports to playing sports games. 
You know, they were a great way to connect your friends. Like, let's say, you know, you're a sports guy, but your three friends are not sports people. But hey, it's cool. We're going to have fun playing it. And they will have fun playing it because yeah, it's, it's a, like a two, three button. Yeah, max. it's easy to play. It's like, you know, just point, shoot, point, shoot, you know. And to this day, NBA Jam is still pretty fun. So NFL Blitz is still pretty, pretty fun. fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you could pop, you could pop it in your N64 or, or you know, your, what do they had it on the PS2? Yep. Uh, I think they had a Dreamcast version as well later on, but. They're still a blast to play, but I just remember that first coming out in the arcade, like, what is this? Yeah. And it's crazy. So recently, because um, it's, it's going to get a little sad, but I know, well, speaking of sports. So recently we just lost John Madden. Oh, that's right. John Madden. Yeah. So John Madden, huge, huge uh, inspiration and factor in a lot of um, people's lives that understand the game of football now, including myself. Um, he was the coach some of the Raiders. Of the, some of the rules. He was a coach of the Raiders. Yeah, he played for the Ooh. Philadelphia Eagles, and he has to this day. He has the um, from what I, I read, he has the highest winning percentage of any NFL coach ever. What? Yeah, really. He didn't coach that long, but when he did, they won. Even over Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> well, I think it's like a minimum of a hundred. That was a joke. Games. This is some kind of minimum. That was a joke. Yeah, Everybody so you relax. Can't, you can't. Have, you can't have one guy come in and say, "Hey, I coached for two years. I got the best. Then get out of here." <laughs> But no, but he is a huge influence. I mean, you say Madden to this day, people right away probably think, oh, football game. Of course. Uh, and and rightfully so. When you watch ESPN, everybody talked about, hey, you're such an inspiration to me. You know, I skipped school. I used to, you know, get bad grades because of your games or whatnot. And he was always involved in all of the Maddens. He he was he, he that was one thing that he that he did is like, hey, it's got to get my stamp of approval. Yeah, but I doubt the older, the newer ones. No, even then, he, I mean, they he, they conferenced him in. From what I understand, they conference them in. You're saying on, Madden 2002, 22, 22, and 21. He was still involved? No way. He he puts his name on it. He has to put his name on it. He has to approve it. Now, I'm sure he had people say, hey, John, it's a good game. It's good Let's enough. do it. It's good enough. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I know he was involved from from its very like incarnation, from its very like idea of the original one back on you know PC and, and uh, Sega Genesis. Back in what, 89, 88, 89, whatever it was. Uh, and I bring this up because we talked about NFL Blitz and the arcade game. So to a lot of people that probably don't know is EA Sports dur- during the height of all these like uh, arcade style football games and, and, and baseball and basketball games. Uh, they, they brought up the idea to make Madden Extreme. And it was basically like a seven on seven, very much like NFL Blitz. And credit to Madden. He said, nope. Because if it ain't real football, it ain't put, it ain't get my name on it, and he refused. He refused to put his name on a seven on seven football. That still could have been fun though. It well, it did come out as NFL Extreme. Which hold on, fun fact, fun fact about NFL Extreme. Yes, one of the designers. I think he was a lead designer. Do you know what he ended up doing? Um, rapper the rapper. No, he ended up creating one of the most successful horror franchises of all time, which was Paranormal Activity. No way. Yeah. So the lead designer, he was either the lead designer or lead animator. He went on to go create paranormal activity. This is what this is the kind of content you listeners out there you you can't get this anywhere else. And where can they get this at? This episode. This episode for free on Spotify as you're listening to it or anywhere. But to continue this great uh, content, Patreon.com forward slash Uncle Dad Talks, or as low as ten bucks a month. And here's the thing: as we dive into that real quick, every tier, if you stay for at least three months. For each tier, we'll get you a special surprise. So either it'll get you an exclusive sticker, an exclusive patch and sticker, an exclusive hat or sticker, an exclusive art piece by the one and only Mike Hampton, or even more. And who knows? Maybe even 
the retro gaming nomad himself will sign something. Yeah, I don't think you guys want that, but I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, you have to. <laughs> You're contractually involved. <laughs> I'm, con- I'm contractually obligated to sign something. Okay, we'll do something. But, you know, something fun like that. And honestly, thank you for saying that because it's true. Because I want to kind of dive in that real fast because you brought up NFL Extreme and tying it all together. I'm a huge horror fan, as we all know. And we talk about horror movies, gaming. Those two worlds came together, and that guy left that to create Paranormal Activity. Now think about this. This is a guy who just made video games, and then all of a sudden goes, hey, I have an idea for a movie. And, it, and whether you like it or not, that is, that's not the point. The point is, that became one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. I dig, I dig the series, man. I really oh, I love did. it. I love it. It's and, you know Obviously, we don't do that here, but that, that, that series is just... I'm not super into horror movies. Absolutely not, not as much as you. Yeah. Uh, but... The paranormal activity movies I dig because I I, I kind of relate to them because I deja vu always kind of it kind of messes with me man and there's been there's been plenty of times and not not to go off on a whole nother subject but there's <laughs> been plenty of times where I recognize the deja vu kind of and 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 I and I knew what was going to happen next and I called it and I have witnesses to this and they're like what the hell bro and it trips them out and i was like i don't know it's almost like i experienced it before for sure and so when i see those movies i was like oh i see this the whole log coming through the i see it coming yeah i see it coming and then when it happens it sometimes it throws a little twist in there but yeah i really like those movies yeah and so he was the animator he was either animator or designer for that get that series all three of them isn't that crazy and he took the money he made for that to make his movies and then you know they became fucking crazy successful and realistically those those games don't exist if what if john madden john madden yeah right so it's just crazy when you think about that like john madden indirectly affects or his name is oren pelly uh it directs indirectly affects oren pelly for getting that franchise to be made are you saying it spawned the events that eventually happened to his life whoa and the outcome very much like paranormal activity well, no. not really <laughs> I'm thinking of the other one. What's the other one? But, you know, hey, to quickly tie that in, we should do a... Are, are you into VR? Not really. A little bit, yeah. So there's a Paranormal Activity VR game. It's uh, terrifying. I don't know. If I it's fucking... Does it have clowns in it? No, no, no. I'll be all right. But it's fucking terrifying. Well, there's no clowns, man. I can't do clowns. <laughs> Which, really quickly, if you think about VR, that's kind of like the in-home arcade experience now. Yeah, now you talk about beachhead and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, for you sure. got it. You got yeah. it at home. That's basically like the way, like the, with the Oculus Quest, you know, you don't need anything other than the headsets. So. Have you played Resident Evil? Yeah, I have. Uh, I, have yeah. I have it. Oh, it's, it's, it's not bad, man. It's awesome. I actually like it better than the regular. It's really awesome. And I know a lot of people, again, hold that one to high regards as well, Resident Evil 4. I'm, I'm not the biggest RE fan. Uh, I mean, Resident Evil 4 fan. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I'm kind of, I, I like the fixated camera angles. It makes it feel more like a movie. Garbage. Yeah, whatever. Uh, you, just, <laughs> you just sucked at them. But uh, yes. But but, <laughs> but with the VR, I was like, okay, this put a little. I, I liked it. I liked it. But that, but that you know, still too much brown. Too way too much brown. But yeah, and I, I just wanted to bring that up because you're talking about John Madden leading to this, and it's just crazy how serendipitous things can be, right? It's like, hey, you know, th- this guy doesn't do that, that which leads him to do that, to mm-hmm. create whatever, and this guy who happened to work on that ends up creating one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. Crazy. It's crazy. And John Madden is indirectly responsible for that, right? So it's just crazy when you talk about that. But now it is time for another beer time. So I'm going to grab, this is probably my last one because Uncle Dad's getting a little drunk right now. (laughs) All right. So I am drinking the Society Brewing Company, the Pupil, India Pale Ale, Beer Folk Unite, 
And it is an ABV of 7.5%. This is definitely going to be Uncle Dad's last beer because he is feeling too randy right now. Uh, Retro Gaming Nomad is drinking uh, Offshoot Beer Company's Unwind. It's a Hoppy Pills or a Pilsner. Nice little crispy boy here. This is a 5.7 ABV, a one pint on this one. All right, here we go for the pop. Now let's hear it's also, whoa, <laughs> that's a super hoppy beer. If you don't want the hoppy, you should try one of those. No, that's fine. Now, review for me, uh, light, crispy, hoppy. A little stale on the end, though. So I give it six and a half. Oh. Six and a half Pac-Man game tokens. Now, for me, uh, I'll shoot beer company, Unwind Hoppy Pills. I actually really like this one. And may I say, the design on the can is fantastic. Uh, this is really little... Baby blue on top, sandy on the bottom. Looks like you're on a beach. Feels like a beach. It's uh, definitely a definitely a crispy boy with a hoppy pills. How many game not, tokens? Not too, not too hoppy game tokens. I give this one an eight. You realize we're gonna have that 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 feeling of that. You're the generous one, and I'm the not generous one when it comes to beer. <laughs> oh well, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So '90s arcades. Uh, we said a lot about it, but you know what? We are this episode's getting close to two hours, so. <laughs> now let's dive into 2000s 2000s I think was interesting because now we're looking at the world of because you know you can get the arcade experience at home basically so what makes an arcade game well to me a lot of arcade games were about the gimmick not only about the gimmick but also about creating a home game and bringing it to the arcade experience right uh, Mario Kart was a great example there was a game and I, I don't remember the full name of it but there was a Star Wars game that had like in a pod and when you're in the pod there's a projector and it's like a 180 degree field of vision. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's a. They have a Dave and Buster's. It's fucking awesome. Um, I don't, actually, it's something I forgot to mention, which I think would be early 2000s. Uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer. Yes, that's a great game. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's solid. You know the idea with the two. Um, what do you want? Throttles. Yeah, they're throttles. Yeah. yeah. You know, four throttles that control the mm -hmm. engines and shit. That's pretty cool. A lot of fun. It was great on the 64. It was actually a pretty good port on the 64. I thought. Yeah, which always which always got me a little upset um, because at the time, uh, being a Sega fan, Dreamcast was around, and Dreamcast uh, Sega Sega was the developer of the arcade game. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you have system link abilities on the Dreamcast. Uh, you have the twin sticks, which you could technically use if you yeah, wanted you could, to. Yeah. Maybe who knows? Uh, I mean, they didn't have a dual analog stick, but I Sega was notorious for making controllers for specific games. Yeah. The guns, the the three D controller for Knights, twin sticks for uh, Virtual On. Why don't I make a double throttle game? You know, sure. it's like, and with a system link, I thought it would have been freaking awesome. But I did like the N64 version. And if anybody knows the code, you can actually do two controllers. Yes, I remember that. Yes. And use the analog sticks for each controller in one hand. Um, I'm not joking about this neither, guys. If you guys want to look up on the internet, find it. Uh, two controller option for uh, Star Wars Racer on N64. It is a game changer. Yeah, I think I've done that before because I remember I remember doing that because before you said that I was actually going to bring it up because I remember doing that and it's like whoa. Oh, it's a game changer. Yeah, it's it's so like as close to the arcade you can get for sure, and, it, and that was a great one. And Star Wars, honestly, in general, had some really great arcade games. It did. I'm going back to you know the original, the original Star, oh, Star, yeah. Star Wars game, and you know talking about the '80s and stuff. But yeah, Racer. Um, what is what is another good Star Wars one? I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Star Trek. I still like the old school Star Trek game. I'm more of a Trekkie anyway. Are you? <laughs> mm-hmm. We should do a Star Trek game episode. 
Talk, yeah. about, talk about all the garbage. <laughs> hey, you talk about VR. The VR, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the VR Star Trek game is actually pretty fun, man. If you get, are you talking about the 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 one where you like play the uh, commander? Yeah, yeah. You're you're on the um. You're on the what is it called? The ship. You're on the ship. You're, you basically have the con crew, and crew crew leader, crew, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty fun because if you get the people that are super into character, they're all you know. It's, it's like it's like super nerded out, man. For There's sure. like ensign. Yes, sir. Make it so. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's good, man. It, and you can always tell who's, uh, you know, next generation, who's original Star Trek fans and stuff, but they all come together. That's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's one of the cool things about the Trekkies, man. So when we talk about 2000s arcade games, or, and I mean like all 2000s, we're talking at this point, 20 years, I think some of the games that I think about now, it's like, I have never played it, but have you ever heard of the Metal Gear Solid arcade machine? No. So in Japan, they actually made one where it was like a 3D booth, not a booth, but it was like a booth. But like you had, you played one of you didn't play Solid Snake. You played one of the soldiers. So was this an adaption of the Metal Gear Survive, or did Metal Gear Survive come out later? Way later. This is like early season. Not early, this is two thousand tens. Okay. So you played a you played a soldier, and basically you were trying to defeat Snake or each other. I never played it because it was only in Japan. But uh, did I it have a trackball? Trackball to play? Uh-huh. No, no, it was for aiming. Oh, okay. No, it was uh, it was a gun. It was a gun. You moved around like this. Okay. Did you, because uh, a lot of the first, was it first person or third person? First person, I think. See, a lot of first person, they use the trackball. Like, have you ever play the sense. Quake? Yeah, yeah. The Quake arcade game? Yeah. I was like, well, this is kind of weird because I'm used to like keyboard and mouse, but I mean, it kind of worked. It makes sense only because Quake is so fucking fast. Yeah. Quake and Unreal are just like, oh, yeah. nah. <laughs> it's like crack on video games, basically. Unreal is kind of unreal. Yeah, man. yeah, good one. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think of Mario Kart, what I really liked about Mario Kart, maybe it's just silly. But I like the idea that you could take a picture of yourself. I don't know why. And then, like, you play, and then, like, your friends can see your picture. I don't yeah, know. That's cool. Mario Kart was cool. Luigi's Mansion, as I brought up earlier, which, if you have, dude, you got to play because it's so Yeah, fun that sounds hella fun. Uh, but did you know Halo has an arcade game? I heard about the Halo arcade game, and I'm like, eh, I don't know about that one, man. It's fun. It's pretty fun. So you play. What's the gimmick on it? It's got to be, it's got to be something. I mean, the idea is that you're in a Warhog, right? And then, so, oh, okay. But, but you're two different teams. You're fire team one or fire team two. And depending on what side you're on, you get a different story aspect. So if you're on this side, are you? Do you have a gun like physically hand? Yeah. Well, not like a gun. Not like a light gun. Well, oh, it's a light gun, but not like that's in your hand. That you. It's own. mounted. It's not. Ma- yes. It's okay. Mounted. So you're the back of the warhog, essentially. Ba- basically, right. Okay. And you're shooting around. That like sounds that. fun. But it adds story to the uh, to the the Halo storyline, which really is which important. is at this point. Who cares? <laughs> is all over the place. She Cordona's dead. She's not. She came back. So this started. takes place technically right before Halo Two, if I remember correctly. Now, okay. I could be wrong, but I thought it was around that time frame. But yeah, you have it. It's exclusive, actually, at David Musters. They bought the rights to have it. Oh wow! So you can only play it third. Um, did you finish it? No, it's, qu- it's quarter. Did you get to the flood? It's a quarter muncher, so it's just oh, like you yeah, know what I mean. Sure. Um, and what's interesting is um, not only did David Musters have that, they also had the Tomb Raider uh, arcade experience. Oh wow! So Tomb Raider, you know, as as of what five years ago they released that remake, right? Mm-hmm. So they made an arcade experience of that game, but it's literally the levels that you played, but instead of you moving around in third person, it's a you know light gun shooter. So it it sounds fun on paper, but it's so like I'd rather just play the fucking arcade, the real game. Yeah, you know. Uh, but the Halo game is pretty fun. The Halo one sounds fun because it it sounds like almost like a, a take on the the beachhead one. But then we also talk about like a bunch of other stuff. So like Injustice. Injustice is also an arcade game. Uh, Injustice is a fighting game with DC characters, mm-hmm. uh, DC superhero characters. And uh, but this one is basically rock paper scissors. So you have to choose one of the three actions. You choose the action, and if your partner, if the person playing against you, chooses the action that beats you, 
they you lose. So it's not a fighting game. Oh, okay, this is like a tournament, like Pokemon, because Pokemon uses the rock paper pop rock paper scissors rule. Kind of, but they're not. You're not picking an attack though. You're literally picking like one, two, or three button that says like this is this attack, that's that attack. So basically, a paper attack, rock paper attack, scissor attack, and then you choose it. And if that one topples that one, that's how you win. Hmm. So, eh. <laughs> so Pokemon. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. <laughs> I, I really never thought about that, but I guess that's true. But, you know, 2000s arcade games are, are all about bringing, I think, the console experience to the arcade and how do you do that, right? Yeah. When I was in Japan, I think Japan has the most ex- most interesting uh, arcade experience of, of, the, of the current years. Well, it's more of a culture there. For sure. You know, here, it's you got to go to Dave & Buster's. Like, you're talking about 2000 arcade games. Um, I can't really comment too much on them because I haven't been to one. Like like a true arcade, they're gone around here. A lot of them there. You know, um, the last time I've been in Dave and Buster's, God, it has to be you know, five years ago maybe. For sure, I Six. believe that. I believe that. And then like with Japan, they have like they had a bunch of Final Fantasy arcade games I never played before. They had a bunch of crazy shooters I never played before. But specifically, what I wanted to bring up is again the rock paper scissors formula is pretty popular in Japan. And there's this dinosaur game, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but basically, you know, you choose a rock, paper, scissor, and then if you win. But the thing is, if you win enough times, then it unlocks a trading card. And I always thought that was kind of cool, because, like, you know, trading cards are kind of fun, especially nowadays. They're getting, like, a lot of value. And you take that trading card, and then you would scan it, and then if it, it would unlock, like, a different dinosaur or whatever. So it gave you a reason to keep playing. Come back. It brings you back. Because you never know what's going to happen. So that was really cool. But we are forgetting something in the world of arcades. And you know what that is. And I just, and I just thought, thought of one, speaking of gimmick, and you talked about cards, initial D. I was just, that's another one I was going to bring up. Because like, <laughs> we're forgetting about racing car games. Yeah, Daytona. Daytona, uh, initial D is a big one. Initial D, to me, initial D is crazy. Because that was a fucking phenomenon that just like came out of nowhere. Another Sega arcade game that yeah. they brought to America. Pissed me off, dude. But now you didn't like... Um, you don't, you don't like anime, right? I'm not the biggest fan of it. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't. I just, I'm not into it. But um, like, but yeah, I, some I guess you respect it, right? I, I absolutely respect. It. I mean, some some of my uh, favorite like movies. I mean, I I really liked um, Ninja Scroll, uh, of course, which um, is becoming a live action movie. Oh god, I wonder who they're gonna cast for that one. And Just screw like, it up. remember Akira? Oh, dude, I A- love Akira. Akira, I love Akira so Akira, much. Akira, Akira got weird at the end, but I liked it. I really liked Bubblegum Crisis, man. I have, oh, I have yeah. the whole DVD collection of Bubblegum Crisis, Evangelion. Um, so I'm familiar, but more old school. But so now with Initial D, though, were you familiar with the anime or no? Not at all. No. So the anime, I don't really know. I knew anime. it came from an anime. Sure. But I'm very familiar with the arcade game. The game was dope. Yeah. The game is. The so drifting fun. on that was phenomenal. Dude, it's better than Ridge, Ridge Racer, in my opinion. Yeah. And maybe you disagree. No, I, I agree with that one. I really liked Ridge Racer, but in Initial D, once I got, you know, the initial gist of it, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Um, and was able to control my drift and stuff, I thought it was fantastic. And I, and I think also the shifting we have to talk about, because it's just up or down. Mm-hmm. It, it's so, you would think like on paper, like, eh, it's dumb. But when you play it, it's like, dude, that's so fun. Yep. Like, up, 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 down, 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 up, 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 mm-hmm. down, down, down. Yeah. It's amazing. And then with the cards, I know what you're talking about. You mm-hmm. take the card, you'd buy a card, and then that card is basically your memory card. Yep. And then you swipe it, which is essentially, is it NFC or was it just barcode? Some of them were oh, NFC. Man, I think it was NFC. So, I mean, if you think about it, we're, that's like, way ahead of its time. Yeah, I think it was the beginning of NFC. Yeah. And then you would just swipe, swipe it, and then it would get it on there, and then that's your data. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think, and it's funny you say that because Initial D was essentially the modern day like Street Fighter, right? Where in the aspect of like, yeah, dog, I can play you, I can beat you, right? And it's like, yeah, you can because you got fucking your card. Yeah, all and if you up. get if you get two, yeah, if you get two players, you know what they're doing, and they race each other. It's intense, man. It is super intense. Absolutely, and I have to bring this up just because I fucking I love this franchise because it's so horrible. Is Fast and Furious. Uh-huh. It was the Fast and Furious arcade game. And it's so shitty, but god damn it, do I love it. Well, did you know uh, the Fast and Furious games uh, were the cruising games? Yeah, because they were the same team. Yeah, the same team. So they went from cruising USA to all that to cruising, and they made a, a bunch of cruising games. And then the most recent cruising game is Cruising Blast. Yes, Cruising Blast. Which on... was an arcade game, but then they ported it to the Switch recently. To the Switch, yeah. Which is done by Raw Thrills. And Raw Thrills, let's talk about that real quick. Raw Thrills is probably the one of the best modern... Arcade machine companies now. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they're the say of the current generation, if you will. You know? I would agree. I would 100% agree with that. And um, and it's a good game. I, I, I picked that one up. It's it's fantastic. It's fun. Fun to play. Kind of um, makes you want the Burnout series back to its roots, sure. too. So. For sure. And I, and I think uh, something else we got to talk about is um, how arcade machines, you know, it's, again, it's a gimmick, right? So House, House of the Dead 4, I believe. I don't know if you played it or not, but it, is there four or five? But it has a 3D goggles. That might be five because I played four and it didn't have 3D goggles. So then it must be five. So five has 3D goggles, right? And then it also has vibrating seats and uh, air conditioning. So if like it's right, it's right behind you on your neck and it's right in front of you. So let's say it's surround sound. Good old feel of vision. Yeah. So it's it's surround sound, right? So like if a ghost is or a zombie's behind you, you hear this. You're like, and then oh, no. and then you feel like air. You know, breast the ground, you're, you're like, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, no. And then, like, you have 3D, and then, like, oh, yeah. And then the guns have heart sensors on them now. So you see your heart rate as you're playing the game. Oh, man, I got to play this. Is that David Busters as well? Well, I played it in Japan. Uh, well. I, I, I imagine they probably have it. I want to go to Japan just to go to the arcade. Well, you got to fit in there, bro. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I guess... There's no Tron for me. No Tron for you. No nothing for you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Everything's really small, bro. You know... The sumo culture there, <laughs> they pay by the pound. Yeah, but they ain't playing arcade games. <laughs> they sumo wrestling, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it's interesting that uh, with with their arcade culture, it's like, you know, there's still so many great ideas coming out. And, you know, uh, but what I wanted to bring up when I said about something we're not talking about arcades is, and we have to talk about it because it's a part of arcade culture, is ticket games. You know, it's a part of it. Maybe it's something you play or I play, but it's, you know, you have you had nieces that were young. I'm sure that that was... No, I play playing a skee ball, got tickets. Sure. But I'm talking... coin game. I'm talking about other stuff. So here's one of the ones I'm talking about. So in David Buster's, there's a game called... I actually can't remember the name of it, but essentially it's it's fucking beer pong <laughs> where you have to bounce the ball into a fucking plastic solo cup. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking addicting as shit. <laughs> And this, so let's uh, being a retro gaming nomad. Let's go back to original beer pong. So I came from an era where that wasn't beer pong. The whole throwing a throwing a ball inside a cup is that like, that's cake, man. That's easy as shit. That's that's more. That's more. Um, uh, what is it called? The, the uh, with the beanbags. Uh, cornhole. That's more cornhole than anything to me. First off, no, but okay. Yeah, and it is because beer pong, original beer pong, it was you had a ping pong table. Yes. And you had cups on the corner. And you would hit the ping pong and actually play ping pong and try to get it into the cup. Now, if you hit the cup, it was drink. If you made it in the cup, you had to down the whole thing. Yeah, but see, you say that, (laughs) but have you watched Beer Fest? Yes. In Beer Fest, they play the original pong, uh, a beer pong in there. 
So yeah, I'm dating myself. Well, guess what? This but is I, a, I just got to say, once again, everything's easier. <laughs> and it, it, everyone wants to make it easier right, and more go. accessible. Right, here we go. Calm down. Oh, You're God. fucking drunk. I'm not even drunk. <laughs> I'm not even drunk. Yeah, hey, yeah, you are. Hey, officer. I'm not drunk. Officer. <laughs> officer. Hey, drunk. I'm not officer. Um, so when we're talking about the 2009 kid games, I think when you think about it as a whole, it's it's such an evolving era now because now it's about how do you con- convert console gamers into arcade gamers and it's very hard and you also think about oh well how do i make what's the gimmick that brings them in you know you have the beer pong game cornhole games you have dark games you have rock paper scissor games how do you keep arcades relevant and i think truthfully it's not about what you can do for those games it's about bringing the games that we all loved back familiarity yeah i was thinking the same thing so if you had an arcade right now if i was to build an arcade right now i guarantee you a handful of games would be galaga sure miss pac-man dig dug donkey kong you know and these are these are just classic old games yeah one button games or whatever but they're so fun to play they're timeless and then yeah you would have some of the gimmick gimmickier games and stuff because that's what's going to draw people in because they're like you said it's a familiarity. They they have to be familiar with either something in the past or something that they played at home in order to give something a chance. Sure. If you got something that's too like extravagant to look at it, like yeah, I don't know about that one. But if they see an arcade game and it just has a gun on there, like oh, this is easy to play. Let's play Ghost House. Exactly. Brrr, yeah, yeah. You know. So. So actually, not Ghost House. Uh, Ghost Hunters. Sorry. So I'm glad you brought that up real quick about guns because I forgot a game I forgot about that I really love that was made by Namco and I can't remember the names. So maybe you remember it. Tell me. It was a game where you essentially like you had to pull keep the gun in the holster and then it would say draw yeah pull the draw you pull the gun out right and then you get like 10 shots and then you shoot but you're shooting real objects and at the very end it's a cup that explodes i want to say it was like something sharpshooter or something like that something like that but that that to me was so fun because it was like it made you feel like you're at a shooting range yeah but you weren't. Obviously, you weren't. And it was something special about that. And I think when you think about the idea of arcade games, it's about how do you feel special? How do you get that experience? How do you get that uniqueness? And really, I think it's not about converting these new gamers into arcade gamers. It's like, hey, a lot. it's like Nintendo. Nintendo's genius for this. You keep making the same fucking franchise forever. Why? Yeah. Because now you can experience that with your child. Yeah. Right or experience that with your friend or your nephew or whatever. Right, like hey, I love playing Zelda when I grew up, and now you know if I had a kid, hey, my son, like let's play these games. You know, yeah, Pokemon's a perfect example. Perfect Pokemon's a great they're, they're example. Some of those, some of those players of the original Pokemon are our parents themselves, and so they're playing Brilliant Diamond, and you know and they're like, oh, I remember this kind of thing because I had this one or Red and Blue, uh, and it's the same aspect. It's based again on the rock paper scissors form of combat. And you have the card collecting, like you brought up earlier, and all that stuff. And it's, it's yeah, they're genius in that, man. They, they they keep repackaging the same snack and selling it for the same price, and people are buying it. Absolutely crazy. And that leads me to my my final thing I want to talk about with you is kind of the modern day quote unquote Nintendo of arcade game, which is the arcade one up. Mm-hmm. Now, arcade one up is a is a is a company that makes essentially affordable arcade experiences that are. Three quarter size, but you can get you know a little riser that makes them full size or close to as full size. As possible. Some of them come with it, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know they usually cost no more than five hundred dollars, maybe six hundred dollars. But I think that is the way we connect people to arcade machines. You know, it's a great way to like 
you know, let's say you're a dad and you have three kids and you're like, hey, I love playing Galaga as a kid. I bought this Galaga machine so we can play it together, mm -hmm. right? Arcade 1-Up is genius for that because now they're releasing these experiences that we all grew up with. Like Simpsons just finally became an arcade game. Mm -hmm. You know, and I loved Simpsons arcade game. It's not the best arcade game, but it's a, it's a cult classic. I mean, I don't know if it's worth $500 for three games, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and it goes back to the experience. You know, like myself, they released the, uh, me being a big Sega fan, they released the Golden Axe one. Yeah. So Golden Axe Death Adder was really the only way to get it. And it has Shinobi on there. Shinobi was one of my all-time favorite arcade games, you know, and it has that, uh, what is it? It was, it was, it was Golden Axe, Death Adder, Shinobi, Altered Beast is on there. The arcade version, which is completely different from the Genesis version. If anybody plays it, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you got four players on that for, you know, 550, I think it is. Yeah. And then even, uh, um, you know, we always, we left out SNK and Neo Geo. Yeah. They just released their mini. Um, same thing. It's got like 40 games on it. And it's an arcade unit. You could buy the riser as well. Comes up to like $550, which is uh, hopefully on its way soon. Uh, I did buy one. I had to. Um. And it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to the, to their arcade units, which were way ahead of its time, For in sure. my opinion, with a memory card slot and whatnot. You're talking about like the memory card. Yeah. Neo Geo, SNK did that. You were able to, you know, if you're at home and you had the, the AES system, you were able to save your game on that card and then take it to the arcade and continue with games like Metal Slug, which we didn't mention. But yeah, I think that's, that's a way to bring them back. Now, as far as durability, they're not going to be as durable as the original arcade games. They're just not. They're not, but but if you take care of it, if you take year, care of it, and you can you can replace some of the components. Yes, I've done can. it on mine. I've, I've I've replaced a spinner, a spin ball on mine. Yeah, it's a little bit more money down the road, but you can make them durable. Yeah, and you can mod them. Like if you know what you're doing, you can make them absolutely like a, a machine that can fucking hold everything. You know, which a lot of people will bring up. Oh, why don't you just get the iCade? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you have you have the iCade, which you can download thousands of games on one. End. Yeah, you can if you just want that. I personally like having multiple systems. Yeah. Because when my friends come over, if I have an arcade, yeah, it has thousands of games on it, but only one or two people max can play. Right. Whereas, you know, they come into my little arcade room. I, you know, as you can see, you can have, you know, 10 to 15 people playing. Well, Maybe not that many. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Social distance uh, VR. Um, Everybody has their Oculus on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll move out some systems to the other rooms, but you can have people playing and it's, it's just an arcade experience. Uh you know, unfortunately, during COVID, it was canceled. But one of the things I wanted to do with one of the local bars, we we're going to have an 80s night where we take in, I take in the 80s arcade units, both the one-ups. And I have the the minis, everybody knows the, the numbskull uh, arcade units like Centipede, I've um, Dragon's Lair, and then the quarter machines like uh, Pac-Man Galaga. I got a Centipede one as well. And take those in and put them on the bar. And it was 80s night, have a bunch of neon. But, of course, uh, unfortunately, during uh, due to COVID, we shut that down. So. We're making sure everybody's safe, and I guess every, once everything gets settled, settled, hopefully soon, uh, we can do that. You know, I think uh, Arcade One Up is really going to bring that all back to what you're saying. So, I, hopefully, Arcade Hey Arcade One Up, if you're listening to this, maybe sponsor us. You know, what's up, Arcade One Up? We will shout you out every episode on this episode on this show. But I love Arcade One Up and what they're doing. Like they just really, so one of my favorite arcade games next to Galaga is um, Tron. Mm -hmm. And they actually just made the Tron machine, which is, looks almost exactly like the original one. So, yeah, I mean, they did an outrun uh, arcade machine. That was one of my favorites. Now it was cool, but uh, that chair was stupid. <laughs> well, again, I I go back to the seat moving aspect. Again, goes back to gimmicky. Like, yeah, the game itself, 
stand up wise, single player, one up arcade. It's cool. It definitely f- seems dated, but it was such a legendary game sure, at the time. Sure. If you had a seat moving ability, yeah, it'd be kind of fun, but it's pretty big. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, like, look, look, to get the full experience, I totally get it. Like, I understand that. But I don't know. And I think when you think about arcade games, arcade games are just, they're not just about the idea of playing a game. Because I'm realistic, nowadays, you can play a game on your fucking phone. But I think when you think about an arcade, it's about what does that mean to you? And if it doesn't mean anything to you, what can we do to make it mean something to you, right? Like, for example, uh, I'm a kid of the, the I generation, right? The current generation that probably never played a fucking arcade game, a real arcade game. And they play... Or haven't been to an arcade. Sure. And the reality is, you want to know what gets them to love it? It's the history. So I think when we talk about this episode and we talk about arcades, that's what we're doing. We're talking about the history. And we're talking about what does that history mean to me? What does that history mean to you? And before I ask you that question, I'm going to answer real fast. And arcades mean to me, that's how I connected to my father. That's how I connected to to the video game culture. That's how I connected to you. That's how I connected to a lot of people. Because arcades were not just, oh, hey, let's go fucking put a quarter in. And it was a way to hang out with people. It was a way to discuss, you know, have social interaction without, you know, having that common connection of like, Bro, let's fucking play Mortal Kombat. I'll whoop you on it. Even if it wasn't the case, right? Arcades were the social environment that we don't have anymore. And I think arcades are dying left and right. And unfortunately, that is going to be the case because technology changes. But we cannot forget that the arcade was something more than that. It was something that was a way of a social lubricant, if you will, to connect all types of people. Especially when you had all types of games. You know, when you talk about NFL Blitz, you had a great example of that. You know, that brought sports fans in, people who were not gamers, you know. You know, say what you will about the Madden nowadays, but honestly, I'm okay with it because I'd rather have a bunch of people who don't know gaming play a game because, you know, what? guess what? Now we're gamers. Now we're connecting on something, right? And I think everything is always about how do we connect with people on something we all care about. And gaming is truly one of them. And arcade is one of them. And I'm very thankful for the arcade because, truthfully, if the arcade doesn't exist... I think in a lot of ways I don't exist and you don't exist. I for sure don't exist. Yeah. You know, and I think truthfully we need to be thankful for that because it is something that that is missing from a lot of people's lives. So guess what, everybody? Go support your local arcade. And before we sign off, I want to hear Nomad. What is the meaning of an arcade to you? I I don't think I could put it any better than what you than what you said. Um, it was a place where as a young male in america i was able to go out and socialize with other people i didn't know uh find a following find new friends yeah it was a kind of a nerdy following at at the beginning and back in my days it wasn't considered really a compliment to be called that nowadays people say oh yeah i'm a nerd i'm a nerd but i i come out you know i come out in the era where revenge of the nerds came out you know it was it was, it was not really cool to be called a nerd so to speak but when i was at the arcade none of that stuff kind of you know, really mattered. It was about going in, playing these machines that took you like to another space in your mind, like another world, escape reality, have fun and get good at something or maybe not, but still having a blast sucking. Absolutely. And that's such a great way to say it because I feel like it was, and it's funny because, you know, I'll just tie this in real quickly. Do you feel that the modern world of arcade gaming is esports? Which would be like the League of Legends or whatever. No. 
No, am I wrong in that? Okay. I don't think so. I think it has its own place. Okay. But I think when you see... I, uh, I guess I say that because of the social aspect. Yeah. So, so Socially-wise, yes. But I don't think arcades ever got that big. It was kind of more of a hangout sure. kind of thing to do. But uh, as, as time went on, uh, at least back in the 80s and early 90s, it was um, people started taking it a lot more seriously to get good at stuff where I think in the early 80s, it was just something kind of to do. Um, pizza parlors, anybody's familiar with the, you know, the Karate Kid movies or whatever. It was, it was always, you know, arcades, arcades, arcades. But I think esports, the way they have it, it's, it's centralized around competition. And early arcades, it wasn't really so much against competition. If it was, it was more against yourself. Sure. How far you can get. Can you get that high score? That makes sense. So before we wrap up, there is one final subject I've saved for you Ooh, that yeah. you don't want, that you're not aware about. All right. As, as I told you, Mike will tell you, he hates it because I always bring shit on them. <laughs> so when we talk about the world of arcade games, now I know it's not fully arcade. But there is arcades in it. There was a movie I need to talk about with you real fast. Mm-hmm. And that movie stars Fred Savage, and it is called The Wizard. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? I do. That, to me, <laughs> if I was a kid in the 80s and I saw that fucking movie, I would be like, holy fuck, that's us on the screen. Right? Do you agree with that? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Now, do you remember that movie? I do. I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie. You'll, which was a problem with Fred Savage. <laughs> I got no problem with Fred Savage. Fred Savage is going to come on the show hey, one day. Hey, one, one day years, man. He, you know, the mole. Which, by the way, got rebooted. Which one? One years. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Which is not bad. It's I not haven't bad. seen it. It's I not bad. It. You should check it out on Hulu. Hulu, if you're listening. <laughs> no, when it comes to, like, the video game movies... Well, that's an episode in itself. Yeah, it is, but but I'm talking arcades because I I bring that up because I don't remember or not I, the I kid. Think, I think it's all it's all Tron, dude, for me. Uh, I, but the thing is, Tron's too easy. Tron's the answer. Yes, I, you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're right. Yes, but Tron is just that easy answer. The Wizard. A lot of people don't know that movie and they forget about it. I know the Wizard. I, it was. I guess it was cool, but it just wasn't for me. I mean, he gets the fucking Nintendo Power Glove and he goes. Yeah, Nintendo Power Glove suck. Look right behind you. It's so bad. I have one too. Nintendo Power Glove suck. And then, and the new movie. Have you seen the new one with MPH? Who the oh, Christmas movie? A bit Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I'm not seen it again. Yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty entertaining. Again, Nintendo based. Sorry, I'm biased with Sega, which would make it Sega movie other than Sonic. Um, which hold on, hold on, really quickly. You know what? I'm gonna add this because this is a free episode, right? Okay. So let's make it a bonus 15 minutes right now. Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Have you seen it? I still have not seen it. Wow. So people, for those who don't know about Retro Gaming Nomad, he is a hardcore Sega fan. Loves Sega. Like, if he, he doesn't have tattoos, but if he had tattoos, I'm sure Sega would be one of them. Loves Sega. Now, Sonic, you know, it's one of your beloved characters. Uh, He's... He's top ten. Maybe. Really? Out of characters? I'm, dude, I'm old school Sega, man. I, 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 Sega was the mascot. I get it. Sega I mean, I'm, Sonic was a mascot for Sega. Sorry. I get it. Which, hold on, hold on. Original mascot of Sega was? Opa Opa. Yes. From uh, Fantasy Zone. Yes. Um, and then after that, yeah, pseudo, pseudo mascot was Alex Kidd from Alex Kidd in Miracle World. And uh, there was just, there was really good games. And once Sonic came along, I get it. They're trying to put somebody up against Mario and all this stuff. But there's so many crappy Sonic games that came out. Yeah, but you're also forgetting one major one. My favorite of all time. Sonic game? 
Sonic CD. Oh, yes, sir. That game is so fucking perfect. Yeah, that's a fantastic game. And I'm sorry, like, I know what you mean, but, like, Sonic CD can, like, fucking go head-to-head with a lot of Mario games, in my opinion. Yeah. If not beat that, for that matter. The only Mario game, in my opinion, that's truly timeless, in my opinion, timeless, is Super Mario Bros. 3. I knew you were going to say that. Because it's so good. I mean, I think Super Mario Bros. 3 is so good. For them to make that game on as old as a console Which is also was, in the fucking wizard. It was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was uh, for them to, for them to make that game on the NES at the time that it came out. It was NES was really old. Yes, you know Genesis already released. I think at that time Turbo Graphics was already out, and they released this game. And you look at the mechanics on the game, the stuff that's on the screen, and you kind of look at what the original Mario Brothers was. You're like, how did they do this? How did they do that? Yeah. Well, obviously they they beefed up the cartridge, you know, yeah, for sure, chipset or whatever. Kind of like they do with Super Nintendo. Uh, they put a lot of chipsets in the Nintendo to help the unit perform. But yeah, uh, technical feat on that game. Yes. For them to do that. But yes, uh, Sonic CD, phenomenal. And so I decided to ask you, since you haven't seen the, the Sonic movie, now, are you aware what it's about or no? I've been kind of staying away from it. Two days ago, I almost put it in and, and watched it. You should watch it, though. I know. I, I mean, just, obviously, it's not like what you would want to be as a child, but it works pretty good. And I heard Jim Carrey's cool as, as Robotnik or Eggman, whatever. But I just why did, why couldn't they get a fatty? Well, yeah, that was his whole thing. That's why he's called Eggman. I mean, I get that. Look, you're right. But you know what? Jim Carrey is a he's an iconic actor, right? I hope you agree with that. Absolutely. You know, he's funny as shit, and I think truthfully, he does such a good job of being comical like that. And in the second one that's coming out soon, he's uh, he looks like Robotnik. Not fat, really, but he has the fucking crazy mustache. And I think, you know, that's, you know, it's a modern taking on it. I think it's fine. And Tails is in the new one. And I love Tails. And not only Tails is in the new one, Knuckles is the new one, voiced by the motherfucking only man who could do it, Adrice Elba. Oh, yes. <laughs> you heard him saying? Yes, my uh, man crush. Dude. It's going to be fun, and I really think that you would like it, and I think you should check it out. And I-, I will. And speaking of Tails and Sega... Just picked up the uh, Pico, finally replaced my Pico, and I got the Tails now, question. Uh, color game on Is it. Is that going to be an episode, Pico? I don't know if we could do a whole episode on it. We could do a Sega episode. I don't know about a whole episode a whole, on Pico. A Sega episode is going to be like two parts. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Maybe three. And then I think uh, like part two or three should be just be fully dedicated to Dreamcast, because Dreamcast alone. Oh, it's such... Still be still supported by the uh, indie right. uh, industry yeah. right now. Still making games for it. So... With this show, I hope you got a nice taste of the arcade world. I hope you got a nice taste of memories and what we love. Because what this really comes down to is what we truly believe in. And that's ultimately the memories of retro gaming. And I think the way that Mr. Nomad put it was, it's about preserving that history. And he's right. I think this is preserving that history. And, you know, look, I'm not a historian by any means. He's an unofficial historian. But... (laughs) Your words. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it works. And I think... You know, some of our information may be wrong. Some of our information may be a little inflated, but that's okay. As long as you had a good time, that's all that matters. And what I have to say, and I think what Mr. Noman has to say, is that we appreciate you listening. And welcome to the world of the Game Papas, as we do this once a month exclusively on Patreon, as this is free right now. But everything else going forward will be only available on Patreon.com forward slash Talks. And I think we're going to have some cool stuff. And, you know, to kind of quickly kind of touch that what are some subjects you want to talk about for this year's season oh i would love to get into um five things five five 
five. What's your top five? And I'll tell you my top five. Well, tell me your top five first so I don't repeat. Top five. Number one, Dreamcast. Number two, movie-inspired video games. Number three, and we have to, comic book-inspired video games. Number four, everything involving a celebrity in a video game. So not a Mm. movie thing, so celebrities. That was a hot thing at one point. And number five, and maybe this is a little silly, but I want to do it, is the Atari porno games. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I would like to go over, we we would have to do some pictures on this, but special peripherals made for special games. Yeah. Specific games, I think would be cool. I would really like to do a handheld. That's a good one, too. Topic, where we we break down the different handhelds by different companies. It's it's funny you say that, because my number six one was going to be a wondrous one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to cover uh, video game hardware system, home hardware, that never released. Sure. Um, stuff, you know, like the Connex system um, and, and others. Uh, top of my head, I can't think of too, too many right now. Uh, and then uh, maybe I think it doesn't, they don't, they don't get enough credit for their influence on video games, but I would love to do a um, an episode or at least a couple minutes on uh, the Neo Geo, SNK's Neo, Neo Geo AES and arcade units. I think they were, they were, because back in the days, back in the, the bit wars, when I talk about bit wars, like 8-bit, 16-bit or whatever, that was the only true arcade home unit that you can get. For sure. I don't care what anybody says. That was the only true one. And then, um, the you know, the the long lost love uh, that people forget about, and it's Turbo Graphics, man. That's a good one, too. That's a really good one. And you know what I forgot, too, I'm just throwing things out there, is a full motion video. Oh, yeah, to do the F&B. Would have to do for me at least because I fucking love that shit. I don't know why it's horrible, but I love it. <laughs> and I would like to do it is super easy, like top ten best designed consoles. Oh, the aesthetics of them because there's some that people love that I hate, and there's some that I love and other people hate. Let's do this. I think at the end of each episode we should do a top ten that's not correlated to what we're talking about. So let's do that now. Okay, you want to do it? Sure. You ready? Mm-hmm. Top ten. What do you want to do? Do you want to do the consoles or later? We do the consoles later. I got to think about that. So let's do Uncle Dad and Retro Gaming Nomads. Top 10 sports games. Ooh. Now I'll go first. Number 10, Mutant League Football. Okay. Number two, and I hope I'm probably saying this wrong, but I think it's 3v3 Ice Hockey by EA Sports. Okay. Number eight. Uh, NHL 93, number 7, Madden 93, I think it was. Number 6 would be NFL Blitz. Number 5 would be, I can't remember the year, but it was like Tiger Woods something. Tiger Woods 2000 something. I can't remember the year, but one of the Tiger Woods. Oh, I think it was the first one, actually, because he was like a cartoony Tiger Wood. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think it was just EA, EA Sports Tiger Woods, that one. And I always, this one, people a lot of people forget about this one. But it's uh, the, uh, I think it was called Soccer Red Flag or Yellow Card. It was by, it was by the Midway team. that It was their version of, of uh, Blitz and Hits. Oh, okay, okay. But I think it was Yellow Card. Okay. Red Card, Red Card. It was Red Card. Red Card Soccer? Yeah, yeah. That one. Number three, <laughs> Mario Golf. <laughs> the original or the newer one? The original. Okay. Number two, Mario 3-on-3 Basketball. Okay. <laughs> and number one, 
any of the golden tees. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> a lot of golf out there at the top. Man, you're putting me on the spot on the top 10. Um, number 10. Numero tenno. 1080 snowboarding. Ooh, good go- well, Hold on. That's, that's ex- a sport. Nah, it's extreme sports. We're it's, not, talk- still we're says not sports. talking extreme sports. Are we talking? You just put in Mario 3 on 3. So I can't say that one. So, okay. So Mr. Nomad is complaining that I shot him down. But you know what? We don't shoot down people here. So number nine is what? Number nine, uh, the original Hot Shots Golf. Okay. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Number eight of all time would have to be WWE WrestleMania, the arcade game. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's, it's a sport. No, you're right. It's okay. a sport. You're sure, yeah. Uh, number seven, NFL Blitz. Okay. Uh, number six, NBA Jam. Uh, I'm in top five now, huh? Already? You know, you know what's one I haven't heard you say, and I thought you were going to say it? Uh, snowboard Kids. No, I'm going to put Snowboard Kids. Do you like that game? I, I do like Snowboard Kids, but it no. I, I got to put 1080 in there. Top five. Top five. Uh, top five. Um, Daytona. That's a sport. <laughs> okay, okay. That's a sport. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I got to put it up there. Number four, I would have to say Virtual Tennis. Top three sports games of all time world series baseball two okay number two nhl 93 oh that was your, that was like my like six or whatever yeah that's it's a great it's a great game it's a it's still to this day you can play it oh, and, and have a blast and they actually redid it recently yeah yeah it's great and uh number one my overall number one and i still do play to this to the to this day espn nfl 2k5 Yes, yes, yes. And you know what? I got to say an honorable mention to, to NBA 2K, uh, Absolutely. 2K5. Um, 2K5 was fantastic. I really liked NBA 2K2. Okay. The, 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 What's the one with my boy? With who? My boy, Buku. Oh, that's uh, 2K5. 2K5 soundtrack? Yeah. Maybe. I, I think the best soundtrack was, in my opinion, was... Uh, Probably 2K2. I think Danny Automator was the producer of that one. Well, Buku's on our network, so guess what? I'm a huge Buku fan. I mean, it's hey, 2K5. I've, 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 I've seen him in concert. It's 2K. Open it for Dell and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's 2K, regardless. Uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I just want to give two shout-outs to uh, two games. Uh, one on, on the sports games I have to I, I have to throw in. Um, what's the snowboard game for the PlayStation 1? I, I just had it in my hand. Uh, cool Borders? Cool Borders. <laughs> cool words, absolutely. But one arcade game uh, in the '80s I didn't bring up, and I have to because I spent so much time on it, and was one of the reasons why uh, I went with a master system over the the NES when I first got it. Rostan. I was a huge player of Rostan, man. What is that? Rostan. I'll show it. Okay, <laughs> that's a that'll be later. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's it. That's the game, Papas. Thank you so much for listening to us. This is the first time you're going to hear it for free, of course, but. To get the rest of it, you gotta go to patreon.com forward slash Uncle Dad Talks. So we appreciate you so much for listening. And again, patreon.com forward slash Uncle Dad Talks. Sign up. Not only do you get the game, Papas, but you're also gonna get an exclusive show from your favorite duo, Uncle Dad and Mike, where we do drunk tourism. That's right. We go do tours and we get drunk. That sounds fun. And of course, not only do you get that, but you're also going to get the Uncle Dad archives, exclusive episodes that you that either were lost, deleted, or never heard, exclusively on Patreon. And what's fun about that is that's how you're going to hear the first appearance of the Retro Gaming Nomad. And not only do you get that and this episode, but you're also going to get another show exclusive 
from the ever so talented, the legendary Buku One. His show is exclusive on this network, the Multi Uncle Dad Multiverse. That's right, Buku One with Arts to Empire. Check that out. It's going to be amazing. And you can only get that on patreon.com forward slash Uncle Dad Talks. Thank you guys, everyone, every much. We appreciate it. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And of course, I'm Uncle Dad. Retro Gaming Nomad, thanks for having me. And we are not having you. You're here. This is your show. <laughs> this is your show. Thanks for having us. Yes, there you go. And as always, a peace, love, and game on. Take care. <laughs>